Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and grouse about its ghastly adaptation, Game of Thrones. That's a lot of G's. <laughs> this is where we say book snob with pride. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Hi, everyone. We both write for FandomFollowing.com, our awesome geeky website, and then apparently we just have an endless amount of stuff to say, because we also blog on Tumblr uh, a lot about Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire. My handle is G-O-T Gifts and Musings, and she is the cultural vacuum. Yes, I am. And as you probably all know, which is why you're here, uh, Kylie and I have co-written uh, a series of retrospectives of the fifth season of A Game of Thrones. And this is the last one! Yes! Blessings of Akatosh upon us. Oh my gosh, seven oh. save us from this season. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we're, we're over it. Yeah, when when this recording is finished, we will celebrate in style. But um, Maybe on this recording. Maybe even on this recording. So what are we going to cover in this podcast? Well, this is our final season five podcast, or retrospective podcast at any rate. It's going to cover Arya's plotline, or the Bravosi plotline, or mm-hmm. oysters, clams, and crappy lighting. Yep. Oysters, clams, and crappy writing. Uh-huh. Oyster, clams, and clappy writing, too, because <laughs> they seal clap every time they write something oh so clever. We could keep going for a really Yes. Um, but because this is Game of Thrones, we do have to give you some trigger warnings off the bat for this episode, which we've been really bad about doing in the past, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, we are going to be talking about some heavy subjects, such as the rape of young girls and the beating of them, too. Okay. And that there's also, like, a fair amount of violence, um, which it's obviously different hearing us talk about it than seeing it, but, you know, just as that heads up. Um, we also have a bit of a book snob warning for you. Uh, we will be discussing... Oh, nice. <laughs> we, we will be discussing a Winds of Winter sample chapter that George R. R. Martin released two years ago. It's the Mercy sample chapter, and I believe it is available on the World of Ice and Fire app. Yes, it is. So you could read it first. Uh, you should... I recommend reading sample chapters. I don't really care if it's a published oh, some, book. Yeah, some people have, like, they don't want to read any spoilers at all until the book is released, which, okay. Like, I, I, I get it. Um, yeah. I I don't care. I'm kind of... Uh, you can kind of read or not read whatever you want, so... Yeah, give, 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 give me all can. the chapters. Um, yeah, well, that's our philosophy. So we are going to try to give a spoiler uh, spoiler warning as we come closer to actually talking about it, but I'd be lying if I said it might not just come up anyway, so... yeah. This episode. Yeah, like, it's been two years that this has been in our brains. It's just part of the canon right now, so. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do with that, but I just wanted to give you that warning too. We understand if you want to tune out. And if we're really bad about it, I might even make like special episode notes or something to navigate mm-hmm. people. So yeah, um, that's how we roll, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the next order of business is to go over there are fandom names. And there's so few in this plotline because there's like three people in it. <laughs> That's true. Well, first we have the kinky man. Right. That's a uh, riff on the kindly man from the book. Um, yeah. He doesn't seem super kindly anymore. No, but he's Jake and Hagar, right? Yeah. And he's uh, Tom. What's How do you pronounce his last name? Was Shallow or whatever? I don't know. He's got a really attractive face. 
And sexy little, Jesus is some, was what some people call him. Sexy Jesus, I like that. And he's got a little playful smirk, so that's why we call him the kinky man. He just kind of, yeah. he's not, he's not really that kinky, but he just has a little, je ne sais quoi, if you will. <laughs> and then there's, uh, his girlfriend or something? The asshole? Pupil? I don't know. I'm just as confused as you are. Yeah. Well, uh, she's supposed to be the waif from Feast for Crows, but she doesn't act like the waif in any way she perform, and she's kind of an asshole, so that's what we call her. She's the asshole, and that's that's mm-hmm. her most defining um, personality trait. Uh, Mace Terrell randomly pops into the spotlight for three seconds. Uh, we call him Mustache Mace sometimes. Yeah, mostly we just call him Mace. Yeah, I mean, it's just because they take the buffoonery up to 11, so if you yeah, hear us call him Mustache a Mace... a lovely mustache. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's you know what he looks it. like? He looks like um, Book Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter. Oh my god, he really does. That just occurred to me. Well, it's just, Roger Ashton Griffiths is really like rocking that mustache all season though, too, so. Uh, he looks like he's having fun at least. I think he is, and it's a fun role. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's funny. Um, we've got our main character, which is Arya Stark, and she magically becomes this person, your sister of the canals. Yeah, so this is one of those references that like, if you get it, you get it right away, but it's really hard to explain. Yeah, and I actually wrote a post explaining it, so I'm just going to link it because yeah. it's, it takes some time. Um, and then the final fandom name we have is for the House of Black and White, which it's um, it's very dark and vague. So <laughs> That's what it is. It's the House of Dark and Vague. Yeah. Everything is poorly lit and nothing is explained. We're going to talk about the lighting probably enough to annoy you guys. And mm-hmm. I understand that maybe if you were watching it on your TV, it might look a little bit different. But I was watching these. I have uh, copies of the season that have been lightened. They've been, have filters run through them, so they're lightened. And I was watching it on my computer screen with the brightness turned up all the way, and I still could not see a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's like, you actually cannot see what's happening. Like, you can't see details on props. You can't, you know, see facial expressions very well. Yeah, and it's, it's a killer, because you see the promotional pictures, and obviously they had lights with them on set. Yeah. So why, why it wasn't translating, and I, and I will say, I was watching it on HBO Go as the season was airing, and it was not better for me. I was watching it on my iPad with the brightness turned all the way up. So, now, there was one episode that, that started in the House of Black and White, and I remember, like, the sound was going, and I was like, I asked, I asked my boyfriend, is there something wrong with the TV? I can't see anything. Like, like, literally, this happened. I could not see anything oh, on the screen. On the screen was black. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it doesn't work on any medium. No. <laughs> oh, well, we plugged the computer into the TV. Oh, okay. So it was, like, running off our computer, but, like, was on he the TV monitor. No? All right. So if it sounds like we're just taking a shit to take a shit, like it, this really was a major problem for us. Yeah, it was it was extremely distracting. All right, so as we do, we're going to provide a brief recap of what happened, but this will actually be brief because like yeah, not really much happens happen. actually. So you want to start us off, Julia? Uh, well, the first thing that happens is that we see Arya uh, taking the ship that she took at the end of the fourth season. She they have arrived at Bravos now, and they go under the Titan, and the ship captain is like kind of nice to her. It's she's nice. looking really pissed off. Yeah, she's got this like kind of mean expression on her face, but the music is really nice. Yeah, it is. It's like a reprise of the children from season four, and it's really nice. Mm-hmm. And so then he rows her all the way to the House of Dark and Vague, and he says, like, oh, it's no problem. <laughs> Any Bravosi would do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's cool. There's just these nice sweeping shots of, uh, you know, the, the canals and the people doing yeah. the trade and stuff. They're just doing normal people things. However, uh... All that ends when she's just, it, it seems to me like the House of Dark and Vague is just on its own island. It kind of, it looks like it, but it's at least, yeah. like, often just sitting and it's this just huge, like, monolith. 
Yeah, they built that facade. Yeah, it's good looking, I guess. Yeah. Um So she knocks on the door, and the kinky man is there, but he's, like, cosplaying. He's just, mm-hmm. like, for fun. We don't know why. Uh Yeah. And he tells Arya to go away. And trying to get like, their diversity quota up. <laughs> so Arya's like, no, I have a coin. I was told to come here. And Jack and Hagar told me to come here. And they're like, no one's here by that name. Bye. And shut the door in your face. Yeah. And so then she sits on the stoop for a whole day and night through the rain. And she's like fiddling with her coin and reading her list off to herself. Which is magically shorter. Yeah. For somehow, like... On the ship, I guess, they, like, got, like, really good Wi-Fi, so they accessed the Weister off Twitter, and they knew that Tywin was dead, so he's not on the list anymore. And then she had a retcon out, um, Mel. Well, she thought about it, and she and she decided that it wasn't right to blame her, so she took that off the list. Sure. Um, and then they also, this is a real retcon, they had to get Ill and Payne off the list, because um, that actor had terminal cancer and had to stop filming, so mm-hmm. he's just written off the show. Which, he has recovered, it's in remission, but, uh... Yeah. That that's that's the kind of rom-com we're not going to give anyone shit about. Yeah. But yeah, Tywin's gone. I know it, it it still seems kind of odd to take it off the list. I mean, like I guess that implies that they're actually going to have her kill everyone on the list, right? Maybe. It, this is D&D we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> of course she will. Okay, so then Arya gets bored and she leaves. She throws the coin in the water. Yes. And we see her kind of just being all pissy and stalking through the streets and then she she kills a pigeon, right? She decapitates a pigeon. Yeah. We find out later she had a wallet full of coin, so <laughs> yeah. Our theory well, is that she just likes pigeon, yeah. like the taste of it. <laughs> it's pretty yummy. And then all the, these ruly teenagers accost her, but then the kindly man scares them off. Yeah, the kinky man. Um, I don't know. Trump's back to the house of dark and vague. His his yeah. walk is really strange. It was a very <laughs> weird gait. And Arya like follows them all the way back. And then once they're there, she's like, "Why did that happen? Why did these people? Why were they scared of you?" And then like the camera swoops around, and oh no, it's Jack and Hagar. Oh no! Like they they do that kind of thing where they pan like uh, the actor is like in front of the camera, but when and when the camera pans to the other side of her, like it's somebody else's face. It better be Nigel Thornberry. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a cool effect, yeah. Um, and I think he tells her that he's no one. Mm-hmm. And then they like slump inside the house of dark and vague. And that's the, that's the, the introductory but, episode for them. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> she lists as darkness stirs and wakes imagination. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's inaccurate. It did not wake anything in me, but <laughs> <laughs> it woke imagination in someone, I guess. Yeah, so, like, yeah, th- this was the episode where, like, I thought the TV was broken. Like, we hadn't plugged something in properly. And, yeah, so she's she's there, and she's sweeping the floor and looking really pissed off, while the kinky man is assisting somebody to commit suicide. Yeah, it's just this guy that's lying by a pool going, it hurts so much, so that he gives him water. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the next scene is Arya still sweeping. She's very industrious. And, like, you know, these scenes are kind of intermittent throughout the episodes. There's no... Yeah indication of how much time is passing this could be a month later we really don't know she's in the same outfit though well that's never gonna change <laughs> yeah. so then she's finally like wtf kinky man i'm really sick of uh sweeping this row can i please learn to be a badass assassin now and so um he just kind of says that in order to serve the many-faced god you have to be no one or something and like she's not here to serve and she's like yeah i totally am and then uh and she she asks which god is the many faced god because there's all these she, um, statues yeah, starts, that we can't see. Of yeah, she gods. starts listing off the props that we can't see, but like, 
I don't, none of the props that she mentions actually corresponds to any of the gods they mention in the books, which is slightly annoying, but not a huge deal. Um, well, it's just, why change it? Yeah. Like, like why do why? they have, like, a werewolf face there anyway? Like, how is that a god of death? Uh, yeah. But, uh, so then, what happens after that, Kylie? Uh, I think... That's yeah, the, well, the asshole no, she, scene. oh, she, right, because she asks which is the many-faced god, and he just kind of rolls his eyes. Yes. It's like, you know, you know who the many-faced god is, so then he, like, stalks off. So then, we, we pop back, and Arya later, again, mm-hmm. indeterminate amount of time, she's just, like, fiddling with her coin in bed, and then some random asshole girl, about her age, yeah, <laughs> just marches in holding a stick, and then she just starts, like, asking her questions and beating her. <laughs> Yeah, I beat her up when she doesn't magically know the answer. Yeah, and then Arya screams that she's a cunt. And she's such a great feminist. She's like a feminist icon, Kylie. And like, I think Arya like reaches for needle, but then mm-hmm. the kicking man comes in and he's like, "Girl, stop it." Mm-hmm. And he he tells asshole she's not ready to play the game of faces, and yes, she's, she's not ready to be no one. Mm-hmm. So you can take the next scene. I know you, you like it. Well, but then he tells, like, he, he speaks to Arya and she says that, like, if she's ready to know, then why is she surrounded by Arya Stark's things? So she takes all of her things and she, like, weighs them down with stones and she throws them into the canal. And the the Stark cello of extreme emotional significance plays as she holds a needle and she looks at it, but she can't bring herself to throw it away, so she hides it in some rocks. And like, it's nice, I guess. Take take this in. This is the only moment that actually suggests to us that the showrunners read the books. <laughs> that they, like, uh, read the chapters for the fourth time and really immersed themselves into it, yeah? Oh, no, this did not have to be a fourth reading. This could have been a first read, but at least this shows that they skimmed something. Yeah. Because there's really no evidence of the books in anything else, so... <laughs> yeah. I wish it's, it's a nice, reading. like, it's the music, I think, that really makes the scene. And it's like a theme that's five years old. Like, yeah, it's a really good. Yeah, but the thing, like, just the the music in this season was even underwhelming, and that's just weird. Yeah, well, it's just the new like, themes all, were a little. Yeah, like all all of the like actual moments where I remember the music are themes that were like were written for the first season. Well, look what the guy had to work with for fuck's sake. <sighs> yeah, that's true. But like, it's like write a, write a scene for these strawman attacking. Like, oh good. I don't. You would think that like Dorne would be like a gift to a like a TV score. Oh god! Like you, you would have you would be able to do like you know a lot of interesting things with instruments and like you know minor scales and things like that. But like there was but nothing. Again, look at the plot he had to work with. I don't know. Can you just... imagine like an Ariane theme? Yeah, I like, but just the idea of Dorne. Julia, music, we can't I talk think, about Dorne. I think would be very interesting for a composer, but apparently not. Okay, uh, so yes, we we kind of like that scene, and then uh, Kinky Man rewards her by letting her be a mortician with the asshole, right? Yeah, he, she, he like dramatically leads her through a door to a dead body, and the asshole's like waiting there with like bucket and pail. She's like, yeah, yeah, bucket, bucket and pail—that's the same thing. She's waiting there with bucket and cloth. Yes, and they. Um, we quickly have to mention a scene in Carol's Landing, and mm-hmm. it's if if you want to hear us talk about this more in depth, uh, listen to our Carol's Landing retrospective, which I will link. Uh, but yes. it's it's a small council meeting where basically Carol decides that the Iron Bank wants to collect on their debt. And this is really serious, so she's going to send Mace, the Master of Coin, to Bravos to treat with the Iron Bank and, like... Like a reasonable person would. And she sends Trant with him, and, like, a reasonable person would, again, because he's a kind of important dude. Yes, he is. And he's, like, 
the father of the queen. And he doesn't so. seem to have his own men at all, because the other men he takes with him are Lannister men. He takes one Kingsguard and two Lannister knights. <laughs> they're not even knights, they're like men-at-arms. It's so stupid how few men he takes with him. Like, this is this is the fucking Lord of the Reach. Yeah. And he has three dudes with him. But anyway, um, the music gets really ominous, because apparently we're supposed to think this was a bad decision, but it's not, so. Or, or like, an evil decision. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back in Bravos. Yeah, so... So Arya continues to clean bodies, and there's this moment where she asks- Well, like, no, I'm sorry. This is, like, body cleaning porn. There's- Yeah, it lasts, it lasts for quite, quite a, while, a while, and it's filmed the way that, like, Nigella Lawson cooking videos are filmed, where there's just these, like, sensual close-ups. It's really weird. <laughs> so then the asshole comes in and tells her to continue to clean bodies, but she's just like, what the fuck is up with you? And then the asshole has this- she gives her backstory, mm-hmm. and it's like kind of like the Waves backstory, it's similar, yeah, a little bit, yeah. But like she makes herself Westerosi for yeah, no Westeros. reason at all, and then she makes fun of Arya for being gullible and believing yeah. everything she says, and then she leaves, and Arya has learned so much. <laughs> um, so then Arya's trying to get some sleep, and the Kiki Man comes in and he starts smacking her around because he's like asking her for her backstory, and yeah, basically every time she lies, he whacks her. Or every time he can tell it's a lie, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's very important yeah. that she keeps, like, she thinks she hates the Hound, but she really doesn't, so that's why he smacks her. I don't know. A lot of people liked that moment. I don't really care that much about Sandor, but... <laughs> yeah, a lot of people care about him quite a bit. So then, apparently, this is a promotion, because now she's... She, okay, first she was sweeping the floor, then she was scrubbing bodies, but now she's scrubbing the floor. We think it's floor. a promotion. That's hard to tell. We think it's a problem. Yes. And she takes a break from that when this girl comes in, this very well, sick girl comes her in. Well, her dad, like, brings the sick girl over the pool, and then it's the dad that just, like, approaches Arya, and he's like, can you, like, kill my daughter, basically? We've yeah. tried everything, the maesters can't heal her, and she's in a yeah. lot of pain. So then she does, like, she Wait, tells- did he say maesters? Probably not. This is not. not the point. Probably but- not. I don't remember. I was actually, I was- when you said it, I was like, should I correct her? But I don't know. Because um, it seems like a flub they would do, but yeah. yeah, the healers, whatever, who cares? So, yeah, she tricks the little girl into committing suicide, basically. She like tells her that the, the water will heal her. Yeah, so the girl drinks it and dies. Which is not cool, guys. That's really not cool. But Kinky Man thought it was very cool. Because he, like, yeah. again, he does this weird staggering walk. It's like Bacilda Bagshot <laughs> leading Harry into the house, because he can't... Yeah. So he does this, like, staggering walk down these, like, candlelit hallways. And then they open up into this huge room of just darkness. And there's mm-hmm. these blobs on the wall that are apparently faces. Apparently, like, unique faces. Like, 600 unique faces. And the music, I think, was kind of cool. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. It's just like three notes repeating, but it felt mysterious. Well, that's what's important. So she's let she sees all the faces. So then, like the conclusion is, you're not ready to be no one, but maybe you're ready to be someone else. Yes, because you can talk people into killing themselves. Um, Yes, and then it's the next episode, right? Yeah, she has become your sister. Yay! There's light. Yeah. Uh, well, it starts with her, like, dispassionately sitting across from the Kinky Man Indian style, and she's, like, mm-hmm. or cross-legged, sorry. Um, Crisscross applesauce is what we call it. I grew up calling it Indian style before people realized we should not do that. Yes. <laughs> but that's, like, what's been burned into my head. Uh, but, yeah. 
so she's dispassionately being like, I start my day selling oysters, but then it like opens into this beautiful sh- shot. She's wearing new clothing and yeah. Princess Leia hamburger buns and like <laughs> color and light. Ah, yeah. There's there's light outside. They're like there's the sun and there's people who aren't mean. So so what's happening is that she's your sister of the canal and mm-hmm. she sells oysters, clams, and cockles. She has a cart and. While she, we're seeing her go throughout her day, Arya is recapping to the kinky man, like, my backstory is that I'm an orphan. I go down this street. I see uh this sex worker is my first customer of the day. So we, like, get a feel for it. And yeah. apparently she's really good at lying now because he doesn't smack her with a stick once. Or, like, yeah. or for a little thing he does. Yeah, like, she says she turns right, but she actually turns left or something stupid like that. He hits her. Yeah. yeah. But, like, but, like, she's able to lie about being an orphan. Um, so he tells her, don't turn that way down this street, turn the other way and you will see. Yeah. And so she does. And what does she see? She sees the thin man who's just this dude who sells insurance. Yeah. He, he buys some oysters from her, um, and he likes them, but he doesn't like Valeria and funding <laughs> trips through it. So He doesn't, he doesn't like to insure trips that go through places that no ship will go through. He's very odd like that. Yeah. Um, so and apparently he's the only insurance salesman in all of Bravos because if he doesn't insure this guy, then he's doomed or something. So, you know. Yeah, it's like this guy trying to get insurance. And if if you zoom up closely on the map, you see that the route does go through Valeria. But then, Which is probably some kind of flub from the from the prop department, but... Like, still. in the scheme of things, who cares? It's blink and you miss it. But what, it's just, the guy starts, like, crying and going, my family, my family, what are they going to do without insurance? And it's like, maybe yeah. you won't die? Yeah, or maybe you can, like, pick a route that somebody's willing to insure. Or maybe you could go to a different insurance... There's a lot of options! Yeah! There's a lot of options, other than sobbing about a lack of life insurance policy. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why we're harping on it. It just makes no sense. But we're obviously supposed to really not like the insurance sales. Yeah. No, it's just it's just clear that they didn't give it any thought. Um. So then the kinky man tells Arya that her assignment is to kill the thin man, and he gives her a little bottle of poison. Yes. That was easy. <laughs> but the asshole thinks she's not ready. And oh, she and, says so. Well, and he explains to Arya like he's gonna screw a wife and kids, and they don't have recourse. Mm-hmm. So here's a bottle of poison. So it's a good thing that she's killing this evil insurance salesman. Yeah, yeah. And then the asshole guy, she's not ready. <laughs> Do that again. She's not ready. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's, I was uh, making a gif of that particular moment, and I have a video tutorial of it that I'll link. And I just, it, it was that phrase burned into my head. <laughs> I kept repeating it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so it's the next episode again, right? And your sister is pushing her oysters, clams, and cockles. Still in the sunlight, gets, yep. Yep, she gets, like, street harassed by two people, and she looks really sad about it, <laughs> which, like, was a very necessary scene. And then she, like, <laughs> stops, and she stares. Like, just stares. And you think she's staring at the insurance mails, but no, she's staring at Mace, because Mace has finally arrived after Actually, her episodes. Actually, well, there's a moment where she's, like, getting oysters for the insurance salesman, and then really badly drawing her bottle of poison out. It, it was as yeah. poorly done as Littlefinger hiding the letter from Royce and, and Sansa. It was that <laughs> obvious. Um, but yeah, she just stops and stares while the insurance salesman is screaming at her, I want my oysters! 
<laughs> Which, yeah. oh, Girl, where are my oysters? Like, honestly, it's a really good thing May showed up because she was seriously just going to poison oysters and then give it to him. Like, no one could trace that. Yeah. Well, I guess oh. it, it depends how fast the oysters, the poison works, Don't right? Don't honeypot this, Julia. I'm not in the uh, mood. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so Mace is there, but it's not really Mace. She's looking at it. It's Trant, right? It's Trant. She's looking at Trant and the two other guards. The Lannister guards. Yes. And Mace is... Clearly, the Lord Paramount of the Reach has no men of his own. And Mace is meeting with Tycho Nostoros, who you might remember him from last season, because he's the one that uh, gave Stannis the money that... Hey, remember when Stannis got an unlimited amount of money? Good thing that amounted to a patch of rotten pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So she follows Mace uh, to the bank, and he, like, just is really stupid and ignorant. And then uh, yeah, she waits for him to... He talking about usury. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> And Magor the Third. <laughs> Magor the Third, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's funny because there was no Magor the Third. There, there have been twenty kings of Westeros, and they all have very elaborate backstories. How many asses have sat on this chair? Twenty, 20 little finger. Twenty. It's twenty. Twenty-one if you count Rhaenyra. Which I do, but yeah. Okay. Well, her ass was on a chair. Yeah. Um, and the hands can sit in the chair too, so it's probably more asses. But whatever. Um, <laughs> there have been twenty. 20 or 21 kings of Westeros. <laughs> We're going off. <laughs> so she sh- she waits for him to come out, and while she- while she does that, she's, like, eating her own wares, which is odd. Uh, and then Mace comes out, and he starts singing. <laughs> it's really funny. It's actually funny. Yeah, it's, it's like, actually funny. Because Tycho has this amazing, like, what the fuck face on. It's really, it's funny. It's funny. This is humorous. Yeah. And we don't actually find out how the negotiations went, which is... We don't find out what the negotiations were. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was about, it was, they want 10% of their debt back, right? Yeah, and, and, uh, or 25 or something. But, yeah. Like, we don't know if they're trying to just pay it off in installments or not at all. Like, we don't know. Yeah. It seemed successful for Mace. Yeah, well, he was happy. He was singing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And then, uh, Trance is bitching about that as he walks through the streets in his armor at night, going to a brothel. And Arya's following, your sister's following uh, him. Yes. And she goes inside with, like, this giant tray full of seafood. <laughs> and, like, it's one of those trays that, like, is, uh, got a strap to wear around your neck. You know, like, at, at like, uh, the hockey arena. Hockey, oh my god, you. you. Yeah. They're selling you, like, you know, beer and popcorn. Yeah. Um, it's really, there's this, like, weird interaction where, like, she talks to a sex worker and, like, she's not harassing her in any way. She's not being mean to her. She's not yelling at her. It's like they're speaking and, like... It seems like the interaction is positive. It's really strange. We don't know what's happening, and it makes our tummies hurt. Yeah, and even even like the John there, who's with her, is like nice. He like gives uh, your sister a tip. Well, like it's weird because the brothel <laughs> managers seem to really be upset that she's in there with her plate of giant fish. Yeah, <laughs> but like the sex workers and the clients seem to be really excited about the prospect of eating oysters. Yeah. So. Well, because like, like uh, we talked about this before. This like uh, the the brothels in Southwark in London were kind of famous for having overpriced food that the sex workers would pressure their customers into buying, and that's like how they made most of their profit. Yeah, so maybe like that's why the management's upset with her her for being in. Yeah, there. I don't know. So, but th- then she goes up to look at Trant with his his sex worker buffet, where he has this like it's like a girl yeah. is brought in and does a little turn for him, and he goes mm-hmm. too young. Or too old. Too old. Oh, Jesus. And then, like, more brought in. And, and do, you, do you get it? They're all too old because... Yeah. And they're, like, very young girls, obviously, um, because he wants to rape children. That's 
Yeah, and he just, like, looks at the owner and he's like, come on, how can I be more clear? Do you have what I want or not? And she's like, yeah, of course I do. And, like, she looks, like, terrified of him. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes and she finds this young girl who obviously has no idea why she's even in the room. Like, she just has this completely confused expression on her face. And she just hands him to Trant, and the Trant goes, you'll have another for me tomorrow. Yeah. And the broth owner is, like, terrified and being like, yes, yes, of course. And Arya's watching this whole thing. Yeah. And so then she goes back to the House of Dark and Vague, and she's like, oh, the Thin Man wasn't hungry tomorrow. Totally. It's really weirdly acted. I don't know if you guys are familiar with The Office, but it's very similar to the scene where Dwight pretends he went to the dentist, and then he and (laughs) Michael are trying to, like, sniff each other out. (laughs) It's just really strange. Because she says he wasn't hungry, and then the kinky man goes, maybe that's why he was thin. And you're like, what is... Okay, whatever. (laughs) Then it's the final episode. Yeah, Emmy Award-winning episode. And it opens with Trant in a room with three three girls yes. that he's going to rape, but first he wants to smack them with canes. Okay. <sighs> Just like in the House of Dark and Vague. So he beats two of them, and they fall and cry, and he like seems satisfied, but when he beats the third one, she doesn't cry, and her hair is all on her face like Samara. Um, <laughs> or Cousin It. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, he, like, whacks her again, and she kind of cries, but not as much as he'd like, so he orders the other two out, and she picks up her face and looks at him, and it's your sister, or it's, I don't know. We see for a second, no, we-, we see for a second, it's the girl that Arya tricked into dying. We think. We think. It looks the same. But then she, like, pulls off the mask, and it's Arya, and I- I'm a little queasy. You want to explain this? Well, she, like, like, it's kind of like, you know, an alien where the face hugger jumps on your face. It's kind of like that. She, like, kind of, like, springs up to him, like, off of a trampoline and gouges both his eyes out and, like, just stabs him repeatedly all over the face. But she, And she says some stuff, like, do you know who I am? And I'm Arya Stark. I think they said they were going for Silent Hill or something. I don't know. I never saw that movie. Neither did I, but... <laughs> yeah, well, it's a really gory, bloody kind of death and... Like, he has his eye holes there and everything. and Like, his, if something is hanging out of his mouth, neck area, I really, like, I couldn't really look at it, to be honest. Yeah. It was so, it was really too far, I think. Well, you know, they wouldn't want to be gratuitous. But she starts saying, like, I'm Arya, you're nothing, whatever. Yeah. Um. She kills him. I think she stuffed something in his mouth, right, to keep him from screaming? Oh, maybe that's what was hanging out of his mouth? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, whatever. I really couldn't watch. He's dead. So then yeah. she runs back to the House of Dark and Vague to return the face to the Hall of Faces. Uh, the Hall of Blobs. <laughs> yeah. And the... I, I don't even know how to explain this. Okay, first the kinky man and the asshole pop in together, and he goes, you took a face, the wrong face, in his little weird Jack and Hagar accent. And the asshole's like, I told you she was trouble. Yeah. So they seem in character for who they're... Mr. Mr. Principal, Arya did something she wasn't supposed to do. Yeah. So then, I don't know how to explain it. I really don't know how to explain this. <sighs> the kinky man pulls out a bottle of poison and is like, you know what has to happen now. And the waif holds Arya back while the kinky man drinks the poison himself. 
No, like, 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 she, like, squishes her mouth open, so you think that they're going to force her to drink the poison. Yeah. So then the kinky man falls to the floor, and Arya starts crying, and the wave is like, why are you crying? He wasn't your friend. He was no one. And then uh-huh. she turns around or something, and then... Then he's there. He's there. The asshole morphed into the kinky man. And then she looks back and she pulls the mask off the kinky man and it's the waif or the asshole. Yeah. And then she keeps doing it and it's all these other faces, like mostly of bodies that she's cleaned. And then she keeps ripping off faces and then all of a sudden it's hers. Yeah. And Yoda's very disappointed. I don't know. She, well, like, I just don't understand. I just, I just no actual way to explain this. Yeah, like, well, it doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to be trippy, right? Yeah, and then she's blind. And, and then she starts going blind, yes. Yeah, and she's developing the- cataracts, uh, like, is what yeah. it looks like. Her eyes are getting clouded and white. She starts screaming and freaking out. <laughs> That's the story! What's the story, Mark? Actually, we, we took our time with this, I'll be honest. Yeah. We kept going on weird tangents. <laughs> I think we were mostly just, like, hedging. We were just like, huh, what? Like, you know, so, you know, the thing. Right, no. uh, uh, that was us. I really can't explain enough how much that last scene doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. It was even on that list of like 25 things that are like, remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Even that, uh, even that one article that was like filleting the show was, but it admitted there were some flaws. Well, that, that <laughs> list was hilarious because it was like, this is such a good show, but the number 14 was like, nothing makes sense sometimes. And you're like, oh, yeah. what? <laughs> I'll link that article. It's, it's really funny. The char- yeah, like, like, yeah. The characters are completely nonsensical and overblown. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, a flaw of the show. Yeah, it's just, like, funny because every once in a while it'll be, like, little, little things. Like, I think there was more than one uh, lion's necklace. And then the next thing on the list is, like, yeah, at times none of the plots make any sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. Okay. So, as we do with all of these retrospective podcasts, I think it's time to talk about some highlights and lowlights. Yay, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, my highlights are basically like, uh, yeah, the two instances where people aren't complete assholes to each other and they're nice, right? So, mm-hmm. not everything is shit for five seconds. So, the first, the, the very opening scene in Bravos where you just kind of get a feel for the city and just, and the fact that people live there. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, they lead normal lives. And then that, like, little interaction with the sex worker in the brothel, that kind of brought a smile to my face because it was just, like, so nice, you know? Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting because I think we switched, like, our pattern for highlights. Like, you usually do brush projection. But I would say your highlight, like, those moments, it, it if anything, those were the spirit of our yeah. chapters, you know? Yeah, because our chapters are all about just, like, little interactions with people. Yeah. Um, so that being said, my highlight is obviously the, uh, hiding needle scene, the stark cello of emotional significance. I'm gonna, of extreme emotional significance. I'm gonna ignore what they said in their outside the episode for, like, how I, I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, that's a book scene. I have a mental image for the scene now. Like, that's, yeah. that's why I kind of like visual adaptations every now and then. <laughs> yeah. So in the book scene, she's naked, right? Because she, yeah, that's true. She gets dressed up as salty, and then she takes everything off and throws it into the canal. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't really picture Macy Williams, to be honest. But that's whatever. Yeah. It's neither here nor there. This, this was a very good scene. It was mm-hmm. well done. The music was moving. Macy Williams' yes. acting was really good. Like it was just well done. Yes. Yeah. So lowlights. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna go for Trent. Not just the scene where he dies, but just the entire thing. Like I don't the see thing. why they had to go in that direction at all. 
with that character and with the plotline in general. And when you juxtapose that with the the with the comment by the director that they didn't want to be gratuitous, oh, <laughs> Stannis, is, Stannis yeah. you're just like, what, what were they film? thinking? <laughs> yeah, like, but yeah, the the whole thing was just so like. Like, they wanted to cross that line, you know, they, well, they wanted to, like, toe that line and, like, oh, we're going to talk about pedophilia. Oh, my God. We're so brave. Yeah. We're going to have some debuts, little girls. Praise us. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> what was the point of that? And it's just, like, so evil that you're just, like, and it destroys any kind of moral ambiguity. And, like, even, like, you know, Mercy, where the character uh- that she kills is not a good person mm-hmm. at all. Like, it managed to have some kind of more ambiguity just mostly because of Arya's, like, kind of, like, you know, her... Her demeanor and... Yeah. But... No, I, like, even... It's not the worst of the worst, so it's not, like, beating little girls with sticks before raping them. Yeah. So... It's just so... It was so bad. It was just so bad. It was so tasteless. Mm -hmm. And it was so, like... Like, look what we can get away with, you know. It's so badly shoehorned in. I think so, too. Like, like, I mean, I guess in Mercy, they kind of just randomly show up, too. But, like, we didn't even see Mace's negotiations, you know? Yeah. Like, it was just so thinly to get a boat moving from point A to point B. Um, yeah. It's it's really hard for me to, like... I I don't think it's as shoehorned in... In the books, because, like, the whole thing with the debt to Iron Bike is a very important element. Yeah. But in the show, it's just mentioned in that one scene and never again. Yeah, that's true. They really hammered home the Iron Bank last season when they gave money to Stannis, but then that didn't amount to anything this season, so. Yeah. They just, you know, people are under the delusion that Benioff and Weiss are able to plan more than one season in advance. And we would that really seems like- not to be the case. Yeah. Like, let us disabuse you of that notion. <laughs> anyway, you're low light, sweetheart. Um, it's hard for me to, like, not pick Trant, because I think that is the thing I enjoyed the least. But the the next worst part of it was the asshole. Everything about her character. Because, like, what was she? What? Why, why was she just this asshole? Why Why was our first introduction of her just this random chick coming in and beating Arya with a stick? Like, what was, what was actually going on? And she didn't ever try to teach Arya anything. She didn't, like, do... What would have happened if they cut her out entirely? It would have just been the kinky man giving the same vague lessons. Like, absolutely nothing. And it's just, yeah, you know, far be it for me to claim sexism for the show. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I can't help but it. notice these women were rather ca- catty. Yeah. And infantilized in the scene when the kinky man had to come in and be like, stop it, girls. <laughs> like, like, why? The... Uh, the only thing I think is that they, they knew the waif is a character, and this is just how they write women, because they don't understand what they're doing. Yeah. Like. It's just kind of like default setting for women. Yeah. And if they're not catty, it means they're not like other girls. Like, why was the waif angry that she was getting an assignment? Aren't they all working together? Yeah. That's, it's, that was really odd. She didn't want a promotion because, what, she was afraid the kinky man was then going to start sleeping with Arya or something? Like, seriously. Yeah. What was this jealousy seriously. stemming from? So, yeah, that was, that's my highlight. So, uh, yeah, let's get into the analysis, I guess. Um, first off, we have to give some credit. Mm-hmm. There was a protagonist in this. <laughs> there was. And it was the one that's supposed to be. Yeah, it was Arya. Um, yeah, they, they didn't have like an accidental protagonist anyway. Um, thinking about it, this was actually the first plotline with the correct protagonist. 
Because Larry was the prote- Larry was the protagonist in Dorne. What about Carol's Landing? Oh yeah, Carol was the. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Of course, Carol was the <laughs> protagonist in Carol's Landing. Yeah. <laughs> Two out of six. Good job, guys. Yay! Um, you mean one out of three? Reduce your factions. What? You reduce your factions properly. One out of three. Okay, thank you. I'm so bad at math, you know. <laughs> I would take half a mark off for that. What? Okay. <laughs> Don't be so pedantic, literally. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think I think the first thing we really have to sink our teeth into is uh, revenge. Revenge. It's, it was yes. a theme. Did you know that? Yeah, there was a theme, and it was a theme that's actually present in the books. Yeah. So look, I'm going to do something really strange, and I'm okay. going to defend Weiss because book snobs really, really love to take a, a shit out of. Uh, the comment he made in the outside the episode about her hiding needle. Yeah. And it was, it was taken out of context. So the full thing, it like, it's in the middle of the sentence, but he, he starts saying needle was a very, very special gift. Arya sees herself as an instrument of revenge in many ways in this world. And that's sort of the way she's going to exact that revenge on the people who wronged her family. It's the instrument of revenge. Letting go of needle would be letting go of Arya Stark. And the fact that she can't let go of needle makes it clear to us that she's not ready to be no one. So yes, the poor man like can't construct a coherent sentence. So there is the <laughs> fact that she's an instrument, and then she has an instrument. So like, there's some fluky stuff going on with that. But you know, credit where credit is due. He did say Arya sees herself as an instrument of revenge in many ways, and I don't think that's entirely wrong. No, it's not entirely wrong. It's not completely right. <laughs> yeah, because like I don't know her focus is less on revenge and more on like surviving, but. But she does have uh, a list that she does mm-hmm. canonically want to fulfill, obviously. And that is certainly yeah. about revenge in that case. Yeah. Um, certainly, Needle would inherently be the instrument she would use, but I don't think that's how she views Needle. Um, yeah. No, but like, but not really, because, like, she thinks about how, like, it's really no, not more than a toy. Yeah, and, I guess. But yet she can't give yeah. it up, and it's Yeah, no, because... That it represents basically her entire family to her. Yeah, but like, this quote is, this quote is dumb, it's just not as dumb as everyone gives it credit for, cause he does tie it to her identity more than I think I realized. Yeah. It's still dumb. And the fact that, like, she, she has these people that she hates is a connection to her former self, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she can't let go of that. Exactly. So like, the, the reason, this might sound really stupid, the reason she has this list of people she wants to kill is because she cares about her family and her roots. Yeah. So that's why these people who have, like, you know, Ilan Payne, for instance, was on the list because he chopped off her dad's head. Yeah. Even though Joffrey placed the order. Placed the order. Well, he was on the list, too. Yeah. I said Cersei was on the list. Yeah, but he's not, like, ordering soup at a deli. Why did I say that? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Cersei Tywin was on the list for Tywinning. I guess. Yeah, and the mountain was on the list. Mm-hmm. Which she obviously knew he was dead, too. That was old yeah. news. <laughs> she knew about Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so, but the, the the thing is, is that, like, aside from the list, the show kind of took out everything that connected Arya to her being a Stark and to the people she cared about. Yeah, like, um, a very important element in A Feast for Crows for all the Stark characters is the warging, right? Like how they, they see 
they see the world through the eyes of their wolves, right? So even though she's in Bravos the whole continent away, she's still having dreams about her direwolf Nymeria running through the Riverlands. And her direwolf Nymeria sort of drags someone out of a river that's kind of important. Yeah, that too. But just, and the, and the, like, she sees that it's snowing in the Riverlands and she thinks about it. Yeah. Like that. And there's a there's a point where she works a cat, and that's kind of important too. She, I just like it too because she has all these verbose cats following her around because she smells like fish all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when she has the opportunity to kind of construct her own identity and pick her own name, she picks her mother's name just kind of instinctively. And she's allowed to keep it, unlike Sansa, who um wanted to do the same. Yeah. Uh, but the kindly man didn't know about cat. Yeah. So he was just yeah. like, oh good, there's lots of cats in, uh, Bravo, so no one will think anything of it. Yeah. She didn't pick Lana out of her ass. Yeah. Sounds pretty, I don't know. Um, even, and, even the list to a very large extent just like wasn't really. <laughs> yeah, well, it's there at the beginning and then it's kind of not there anymore. Yeah, like we see her repeating, I guess, I guess it was just supposed to be drilled into her head that Chant was on the list. I don't know. I'm sure they showed yeah. it in the previously on or whatever. With Benjamin Stark. Yeah. Exactly. And like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like the issue with this is that it kind of destroys the parallelism with Sansa, which is very important. Like, what they did with Sansa, like there is no parallel anymore, but like the parallel between them in A Feast for Crows is, I think, like really very, very important. It's very important. It's very strong. In fact, um, th- these two girls in general, these two sisters, the the paths that they have been been on and how they survive, you know, in a respect to their own skill sets and their own personalities. So we see Sansa, like, you know, donning her mask of uh, courtesy and sort of putting on these airs and and dealing with courtly intrigues while underneath, like, actually, like, seething with internal resistance and, you know. She's able to play the, like, subtle game. And that's how she survives. But Arya survives because she's, like, actually, like, very, like, scrappy. And she's able to blend in with uh, a a lot of different common people and make connections, make friends everywhere she goes. She kind of, like, makes a pack, right? Yes, wherever she goes. Just like her wolf. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of important. Even though, like, you know, she's a dire wolf, not a wolf. But all the wolves follow her. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Nymeria, like, takes over a pack. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like that that parallel is really really important with them. Um and it's just totally absent. Just yeah. Nothing. So there's there's just like really nothing connecting Arya to Westeros, to her family, to anything. Yeah, even the golden opportunity that they had with Sam, they kind of just I can't for some I reason. cannot believe yeah. that. I know, it's so weird. Uh, and it would have been so easy too. So that's why we kind of had that movie poster in our retrospective Arya and Bra- Needle Take Bravos. <laughs> because like that's how not relevant this plotline was. It just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we had seen the Mace negotiation, something, I don't know. Uh, I don't think I, we'd want to see that. No, well, and God yeah, knows like, how they'd write it, but... Yeah, I don't think it wasn't even Davos there to take his glove off, so... <laughs> and then, like, you know, you have this really strong theme of revenge, but then when you get to the actual kill, it's like they tried to mitigate the revengingness of it by making it a whole, like, social justice thing. Yeah, it was really strange. Because, seriously, who wouldn't kill Trant if they had the opportunity? Yeah. Because if I knew I had tools at my disposal to take someone out like that, I think I would do it. Yeah. Honestly. And what is wrong with this brothel owner? (laughs) Seriously. I mean, like, I'm sure, like, you know, because, like, sex trafficking of children is a thing that exists. So, like, 
but like this is apparently like the best bravo the best uh brothel in bravos this like person is quite prosperous and i don't it's just kind of why are you complying to this seriously yeah like why would like there's no reason for her to give in to his demands like she could just say no go away he had swords so he had three swords because that's all Mace traveled with. I can't get over that. Would he start trouble? Or would he just go to another brothel? Yeah, it's a good question. I really don't know. And But, like, no, it's just that they decided to go for, like, the most horophobic option. Right. It really was. Like, it's it's not impossible that a brothel owner would act this way because, you know, child sex trafficking is a thing. So, obviously, somebody they, is okay they with acting this way. They have a major, major, major issue with how they write sex workers on the show, and I don't think they even understand it. Like, yeah. I don't think this is even something that would occur to them about how, how badly they dehumanize sex workers just all the time. Yeah, just, um, I don't, cause at the beginning they had like, you know, Roz kind of being protective of the other sex workers and everything like that. Yeah, she, she almost, almost was an okay character for that reason and that like, yeah, they could have done something really interesting and then they just didn't. Yeah, they, and then since then, it's gotten really, really bad. Since they killed her off in the way they killed her off, actually, yeah. I would say, is when it got really yeah. bad. Um, but yeah, no, the Trant Hill, to us, it's kind of reminiscent of, like, the most reminiscent of the Chiswick kill from um, a, a Clash from of Kings. From Clash of Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, Arya is, she's, like, you know, doing the thing where she's cleaning Harnhal, and she overhears this conversation between a bunch of the mountain's men, where Chiswick is ta- telling this charming story about yeah. how uh, Gregor Kaklain was, like, just at, he was in a really bad mood because he just lost a tourney. And so the, they were at an inn, and the uh, the innkeeper was being really obsequious and, like, annoying, and this put him in an even worse mood. Uh, and some of his men were, like, harassing the his daughter who was like you know the ale when she was pouring them ale and he goes to gregor and he's like you know can you please ask him to stop since you know you're an anointed knight and that's what you're supposed to do so then the mountain just rapes her in front of her father mm-hmm. and then everybody else does and, and, and like, they tell like the story about it yeah they tell the story as if it's the most funniest thing ever and just like well, cause like, like ab- you can, you can tell like, it's something that these people do all the time like after he rapes her doesn't he he says something like she wasn't- he throw, well, he, he, th- uh, well, cause, like, her father said that, like, uh, uh, well, is, yeah, well, basically, uh, he, he throws the coins at the father to pay for it and says that, like, oh, obviously she's a whore, so here's your coins. And then he asks for change back, and the father runs off and gets some change. And that was supposed to be the really, and Chiswick is, like, dying yeah. with laughter. So this yeah. is, this was in Heron Hall when Arya had the three th- kills thing, like, offered to her. And so mm-hmm. this was kind of her testing it out, first of all, cause this was her first kill that she, um, yeah. Gave to Jack and, and then, like, it was very clearly, here's the story, here's the rape story, and she turns around immediately and goes to Jack and. So, like, it's, and yeah, it, and it, she's just, like, so affected by the story that she's just like, no, this guy has got to go down. And it's in there for a very clear reason. Mm-hmm. And a very, like, and we see exactly what happened. So it was a very, like, moral kill on her part. And, yeah. like, the Trant kill almost could be viewed in this way. It really could. Except yeah. she's the one going, like, apeshit. I mean, if there was no revenge angle, then, like, it would be justified because of the social justice angle. Exactly. That's what, like, again, like, who would not take someone out like that if they could? Just yeah. Fucking awful. So. Any kind of war around ambiguity. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, I think we kind of have to talk about just the non-sequential. <laughs> yeah, it like, does feel like that. I mean, like. It's not like the order doesn't make sense, but like just have the feeling that if it was a different order, that would also make sense. 
Yeah, I mean, just, you know, swap out training, like, sweeping the floor with scrubbing the floor. Like, you're not going to get a lot of variation. Um, Yeah, like, why couldn't, why couldn't she have, like, gotten the Thin Man uh, mission after she threw away her stuff and gotten the mortician job after she talked the person to suicide? Yeah, and actually, like, that makes more sense when you think about it. And, like, like, seeing the masks just, like, that was after the suicide, right? What the mortician job? Yeah. It was all so weird. Yeah, I mean, the emphasis on it is a little strange. Yeah, it was just like, we kind of were watching it, and it, it just felt so random. And and the thing is, when you were watching it as the season progressed, like, it kind of, it didn't stand out that much, because Arya was only in six episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. And there were very short scenes interspersed with, like, the crap sack of, shit. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we never really like stayed in Bravos for a very long time. So this was like really hard to miss. But when you, when you watch it all in order, you just kind of realize nothing actually is happening. Yeah. Like, like she doesn't do anything. Like things are like done to her. Yeah. And like things happen around her, but she doesn't really have much like active agency in anything. No, like everything that like should be interesting for what she does happens off screen, shockingly. Um, yeah, like becoming like becoming Lana. That's all off screen. I'm like when we see her, like she's in the middle of it, and yeah. learning how to apply faces, which like is a very complicated kind of squeaky ritual that is not simplistic. Um, yeah, we don't we don't it, even it, know the full of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I like this whole thing. Like when you put on somebody's face, like you have like some of their memories and things like that. Yeah, right. right. It's not just a hat. Yeah, there, there's like. Bl- there's like blood involved and things like that too, right? Just... Yeah. Well, she like feels like a sensation on her face that implies she was like cut into it with a dagger and like yeah. Yeah, but like when she looks at herself in the mirror, she sees her own face, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah. Th- there's like some freaky like high level magic going on, and the whole like learning to lie thing. Like when when we see it, when we see it, she's like adept at it. We don't see the whole process of her like you know like uh, three like you know three lies and a, and a fact kind of game that she plays with the waif and everything like that and being. Um, being told like very explicitly like you know to control her muscles and like yeah you know, like, train the muscles of her face to be able to move them individually and things like that yeah it's like like, Benny Jesuit-esque training that they just kind of completely gloss over well like even even with um the way giving her backstory like when she does that in the books she's not just like haha you idiot how'd you believe it it was she, yeah. was she was kind of like she was playing kind of two truths and a lie with her and she was like yeah. I said one exaggeration and one lie what were they and then Arya like yeah. pieces it out and yeah. it's it's very educational. Yeah, and and it, it, it's explicit. Like there's like you know gradual release of responsibility, as we say in in education. Like, <laughs> first, she starts at something quite easy, and then like you know, she increases the difficulty, and she gives her feedback the whole time. Like she's actually teaching her. Yeah, but like, I mean, we'll get more into her. I'm sure we'll get more into her arc. But but uh, yeah, you know, the thing is, like, what what we didn't get. No, no. Here's what we did get. What we did get was Arya. Learning to be a mortician. That's what mm-hmm. we saw. So, path, like, I guess she's active in her cleaning of bodies? Well, she was told to clean the bodies. But she was really good at it. I suppose so. She was active in tricking a girl into dying. Okay. And then, like, that's, that's like it. She was, she was handed a bottle of poison and told to go kill the thin man. Yeah. I mean, I guess she learned how to, like, you know, manage petty cash and things like that when she was Lana the Canals. Again, off screen. Like, I'm, t- I'm just yep. trying to say, like, what we got on screen was, like, sweeping floors, scrubbing bodies, uh, killing- Scrubbing s- floors. Killing a girl, and, <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. Like, 
Yeah. And like they admitted all the stuff where she learns the language of Bravos and High Valyrian and things like that. And like making poisons and all that. Yeah, and like learning how to like they basically send her out into the world and say, Come back when you learn three new things, right? And it's very it's very like learning about like, you know, facts versus rumors versus gossip versus like, you know, people's opinions. And just like she's she's being trained to listen to what people say and figure out what's true and what's not. Right? And also like this is this is information that's helpful to an assassin's guild to like know what's uh-huh. going on in the city. So there's a clear purpose. Because the way it's presented to us, Lana of the canals was just like selling oysters just yeah. as no, but, and just like, like the, the things that she brings back, like some of them are like, you know, super important, like, oh, uh, everyone at this bar thinks that this person is going to be the next sea lord. Or it's also like, like really stupid stuff, like, oh, this girl that I'm staying with is like fucking this boy on the roof every night. Yeah. You know, like, you know, just like, it doesn't like, yeah. Exactly. And, and then there's sometimes where she'll say something and he'll be like, do you think or you know? And she'll have to be like, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just about like, yeah, being one, like learning the town and. Yeah. And just like learning, learning to read people, learning about like people and like, you know, how, how people live, what, mo- what motivates people, which is also useful to a sneaky assassin. Of course. All the while she's like coming back and learning like these other things, like the language. Um, she's making connections. And all these different skills, like she's learning how to pick pockets, you know, mm-hmm. she's, she's learning like mummers kind of tricks and just, and it's just, it's just the interactions she has with everyone. And like, you know, like she has this brothel that she goes to every night to sell oysters and, you know, everybody there likes her. And, you know, the, the owner is this like woman named Mary and she's really like, you know, you can tell she's very protective of her workers. And yeah, well, like, e- the- even, um, I think my favorite thing is like, she's not just learning the language. She's learning like how to talk to people there. So she like, mm-hmm. well, she call people camel's cunt because that's like what the yeah. atmosphere is and all that. Um, yeah. It's just, and just like, well, yeah, when people harass her on the street, she says like, fuck off and calls them a camel's cunt. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, she's like being one of the people, but no, what I'm saying is Lana of the canals or your sister of the canals, whoever. Yeah. Like, the way it's presented, it's seriously as if she was just selling fish and then, and then the kinky man was like, okay, now you're going to turn and you're going to see. And it's like, well, what was she doing this past month? She was selling fish. She was saving up for college. Yeah. She was just earning the money with her fish. Mm-hmm. Was she fishing? No, she, cause they had this whole backstory about how like she begged for some money, then she bought a barrel of fish and then the next day she could buy two or something like that. Right? Yeah, but that was fake, obviously. Yeah. I don't know. It's all stupid. It's just stupid. <laughs> You know, like, we were kind of already dancing around. Do, you, do we want to just, like, jump in and talk about her Feast for Crows bot line? Um, well, there's not really much to say. I mean, like, not much happens happens. Like, she's she's accepted into this, like, apprenticeship program for the Faceless Men. And, you know, at first she's just, like, doing stuff around the temple. She's cleaning. She's helping the cooks. Uh, and then, like, she kind of slowly graduates. Like, she starts learning about poisons. She starts learning how to lie. Mm-hmm. And then she's sent off to like this this fisherman's house and she she sells fish all day or not not fish but like you know oysters clams and cockles basically from a barrel <laughs> all day and she does that for several months um yeah that's that's, that's basically her feast for cross plot line that's where it ends right when she kills darren well do you, uh, i think that darren kills kind of important yeah because like her big kill is not someone on her list in a feast for crows yeah because there's, um, well, it kind of intercepts with uh, Sam's arc because they're in Bravos. They have like a stopover in Bravos, and one of the uh, Night's Watchmen that are with him is a, a singer named Darren, who's not into this whole Night's Watch thing. He's supposed so to be helping with recruiting. 
yeah, basically he deserts. He decides that he's not going to do the recruiting thing and he's not going to ever go back to the wall and he just starts living as a singer in Bravos. Like, honestly, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, you know, he starts making money and he buys himself like, you know, some really fancy clothes and things like that. And he's, he's really popular at the brothel that she stops over in every month and uh, every night. And she just like, Decides one night that she can't stand it. She can't stand the fact that there's nice swatch deserters just going free. So she kills him. She mm-hmm. follows him. She follows him into a dark alley and kills him. And takes his boots. And takes his boots. <laughs> good boots. Are good hard boots. To come good, by. Yes. <laughs> and then she she goes to the temple and that's one of her three things that um he was killed. That you know a singer named Darren was killed. And the kindly man asks her who killed him. She says Arya Stark. And the kindly man goes, "Oh, I thought she left. I thought she yeah. left Bravos." Yeah, and then he gives her a glass of milk, and she drinks it, and she wakes up, and she's blind. And, like, she knew something was up with the milk. Yeah. And that's the end of the book. And and unfortunately, we actually have to talk about her feast, her uh, uh, Dance with Dragons spotlight, too, because they kind of bushed it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, Dance with Dragons, there's there's only, like, two chapters of hers in Dance with yeah. Dragons. Yeah, I think. It's yeah, well, many. the first one is, yeah, the first one is when she's blind, and she still, she goes out every night into the city, and she has to come back with three new things. And she's begging. She's a blind beggar now. Yeah. Um, I, we can pretend this is going to be a next season. I don't know. Uh, it looks like they're going to do Mercy again for the, for the third time. Good. That's next season. Good, good, good. And basically, like, when she figures out who it is who's been assaulting her randomly, because, um, like, the Kylie man just, like, sneaks up on her every once in a while and starts hitting her. Yeah, because when she's blind, she, like, no one's really, yeah. she has to learn to feel her way around the temple and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, When she's, like, she's still doing her lessons. So when she's making poisons, she just has to, like, not rely on sight anymore. Yeah. So all sorts of things, but then like every once in a while, someone will just like pop out and hit her with a stick, and she's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Like apparently, it's this whole process the faces lend you. Like, for, you have to spend a period being being blind. You have to spend a period being deaf. You have to spend a period like uh with your legs not working, things like that, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. All, all sorts of things, so you can you know become more competent at what you're doing and and learn yeah. have more things at your disposal. Uh, yeah. Tools in your toolkit. I my and, like she's like on the fast track or something. Like, I'm not convinced that they were, like, upset that she killed Darren. Yeah. It, well, it definitely yeah. didn't seem like a punishment, because this is really, like, what they wanted. Yeah, oh, this- and the other thing about this, she can get her eyes back anytime. She just has to ask and stop drinking the milk. She could leave any like Like, there's a part where they say, like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you can leave at any time. We can, we can find a husband for you. We can send you on a ship back to Bravo so we can get you, like, an apprenticeship with a courtesan. Anything you want, we can arrange it. And she's, she's like, like, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. I want to be here. Mostly because she also can't really think of what she'd want to do otherwise. But- yeah. Like, like, she, but like, like the, the point is that they want to help her. Like, but, they're but, not, they're on her side, really. Yeah, but yeah. So she's blind. She's begging. She's still bringing back three new facts, and then she works mm-hmm. a cat so she figures out who was hitting her with a stick. It's yeah. the kindly man. Um, we never mentioned this, by the way. Do you want to explain what the kindly man looks like? Kindly. The yeah, well, like when she first sees him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First season, he's like, uh, he pulls back his hood and it's like a skull with like worms coming out of it. So she takes a worm <laughs> and she eats it. And he's, and he's like, are you hungry? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, you're in. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think we use this, we use this analogy, uh, in our write up that like, she's, she's not an undergrad. She's a grad student. Cause like, uh, we've both been to grad school. So like, yeah. we kind of had that moment where we're shocked. Cause like when you're an undergrad, they're really trying, like, you know, they're, they try to weed the weak ones out, you know, and they, the professors are always really distant with you. And all of a sudden you're a grad student and like, it's like they like you and they want you to succeed. 
And yeah, and and you're like hanging out with to. your professors and you're like yeah. learning things about them you didn't want to, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you see them naked in the changing rooms at the gym. Okay, I did not have that <laughs> yeah. experience. Oh my god. Uh, that was fun. Jesus. Uh, but like, 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 yeah, like, like they want her to succeed. Yeah, exactly. And they're like impressed with her. They're like happy with mm-hmm. her. Um, so yeah, she gets her eyes back and then her second, um, a Dance with Dragons chapter, she, she gets a target to kill and it is an mm-hmm. insurance salesman. I don't think they call him the Finley man. I think that he's just like an old dude. Yeah. I could and, be wrong. Like the entire, the entire, um, chapter is her figuring out the best way to kill him. Right. They don't hand her a bottle of poison. She's like trying mm-hmm. to figure it out because it has to be a way to kill him that won't be traced back to her. And yeah. they make sure to like, Explain that to her. They yes. They tell her shit. Um. She also then tries to be like, "Oh, he's mean. Like he has mean eyes." And they're like, mm-hmm. "He's a man with eyes." Yep. Yep. And she like tries to like justify like sh- she really tries to like play it up like he's asking for it or mm-hmm. no he's he's wants to die. He'll thank me when I kill him and like all the stuff. And they like every single time the kindly man is like, "No, he's just our assignment. We don't judge. We kill." Yes. And they like so if you thought there was any social justice angle, they smack it down. Yes. Um, and they tell, like, when they tell their backstory about how, like, uh, they, like, the, the faceless men kind of had their origins in the slave mines of Valyria, where, like, this guy, nobody knew who he was, um, he heard all the, like, slaves being completely miserable and begging for death. And so one day he decided that he would give the gift of death, so he killed the most miserable slave who was praying for death most fervently. And Arya's like, that's horrible, how can you kill the slave, not the masters? That's, like, you know... And their whole thing is like, no, like the the god of death comes for everybody. Yeah, and like they're an assassin's guild. It's just like how they're yeah. hired. They're assassins. Y- you know, that's her arc. It's very less about what happens and very more about the atmosphere, I guess. And you know, yeah. again, she kind of forms a pack with like you know Brusco's daughters when she's like hanging out with them, and yeah, she's f- befriending a dude. With yeah, a even when seal. she's blind, Beth, like she makes friends with like some tavern owners who let her come in and eat. And sit by the fire and things like that. And cats. Yeah. She makes friends with cats. The one cat in particular, I think, likes her, right? Yeah. The one that she ends up working. Or, you know, we only work wolves, right? Yes, yeah, so she skin, skin changes. She skin changes into the cat. It's implied. It's not, like, yeah. stated. But I think it's pretty clear, in my opinion. Because the cat yeah. was in the rafters. She overhears a very significant conversation from another plot line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, inside the cat's ears. But, yeah, so is it, you know... The whole point, though, is that she is well-liked, she is moving up, and she's active mm-hmm. in her training. And if we contrast that to... It's night and day. It's night and yeah. day. Seriously, what... What was it? They, they, they didn't explain anything. No. I mean, it, there was there was a real kind of emphasis on the mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't want to give anything away, and, like, she kept asking questions that didn't get answers. Which is very different from Arya. Like, when she asked questions, she got answers. Even if it was, like, even if the answer was, you're not ready to know that. She always got an answer. I have a theory. You have a theory? That... That it's bunnies? No. I have a theory that Betty Off and Weiss played Oblivion, Elder Scrolls IV, before they wrote the season. And they thought the Dark Brotherhood Guild was really cool and really mysterious, and they liked it. (laughs) So they just wanted to play up the, like, spooky death nature of this instead of actually, like, fucking adapting it. Okay. That's my theory. Well, because it is spooky. Like, like it is a place where people go to commit suicide. Yeah. And part of Arya's job is every morning is to look for dead bodies and nooks, nooks and crannies. 
Yeah, because they like hide, they like drink water and like curl up in weird places in the temple. Yeah, and there's like, there's like magic kind of things. Like there's magic, there's like a magic corner where you can like look and see memories, right? Yeah, it's And there's like magic candles that smell like, like something that will make you happy. It's really, it like, there there is certainly mystery and intrigue. I don't want to pretend there's not, but you can't only have mystery with nothing getting explained. Like you can't have people pop into the room and hit her with a stick and then laugh at her without even like bothering to tell us why this is happening. Yeah. Like you just can't. What is this? What am I watching? Why am I watching? Why should I care? Mystery for mystery's sake. I watched that for six seasons with Lost. No, thank you. (laughs) It was just like, even like all the things like they talk about, like, like there's, there's these moments, like kind of like uh, Northanger-esque moments, where she she tries to like she psychs herself up and says that things like like there's this moment where they're eating pork and she's like, oh my god, what happens to the bodies? And then Carly Man is just like, it's pork, it's pork, <laughs> child. Don't worry about it. I it just like like things like um like there there is a mysterious air to it, but at the same time, it's like like you have everyone telling her like you know this is actually pretty mundane. This all has an explanation, and one day you will know. Yeah, when she asks questions, she's either answered or told why she can't know. Like, yeah. it, it, they're not just rude or they don't just smirk at her and run away. Um, yeah. and then, you know, there's the revenge. Revenge, revenge. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll get to that later, I think, cause that was the, the largest adaptational decision that they made. Actually, we can talk yeah. about it now. Why not? Let's talk we can. about it now. The, uh, so the largest adaptational decision they made with the biggest butterfly effect was to center the season around her killing Trent. Mm-hmm. And this is, by the way, when we are going to explicitly be talking about Mercy, if for some reason... Actually, we probably already scared you off if you... <laughs> but. Well, basically, uh, in Mercy, uh, she's, like, doing, like, another apprenticeship like she did with, with Briscoe and his daughters. Yeah. Uh, and she's, she's like, being, like, a mummer at, in a mummer's troupe, like an actor, basically. And she's learning, like, you know, about disguises and about acting and things like that. And she is wearing a face while she's doing this. Yeah, she's wearing a face while she's, and she's like keeping her head shaved and everything like that to, to put on wigs more easily. Just like all these sorts of things. And like, like she's a completely different character. Like when, when you start reading Mercy, it's a little disorienting because like she's this like cheerful little girl who likes to giggle and she skips through the streets. And like when people are like, you know, street harassing her, she's all like, you should come see me at the theater. And, like, <laughs> and actually, yeah. like we, we're probably very rude for talking about it in the way we were to even like tell people it's an Arya chapter is a spoiler. Like, yeah, even it's not immediately obvious when you're reading Mercy, and it's just that uh, when when it got posted online, everyone was like, "Oh, it's the new Aria chapter." So, like, we all kind of knew it, but yeah, it is disorienting because she is in this like other person's mm-hmm. memory. And, and like, it's uh, people disagree about how like effective this is, but like, the word rape is used so often, it becomes meaningless almost. Yeah, yeah like 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 the first line is like she was late for her rape. Because she was going to be like raped on stage, basically as part of the play, not actually raped, but <laughs> depicting. Tyrion, Tyrion yeah. is being satirous. Yeah, yeah. The play yeah. that they're putting on at this playhouse is the story of Tyrion, uh, like basically in a storm of swords. It's so meta. <laughs> it's, it's very meta. <laughs> it's a really good. Chapter. And she's possibly playing Sansa. <laughs> she's possibly playing Sansa. Um, a lot of that's very contentious. I think she. Is well, it's it's a very fictionalized version of the story, right? So it do- it doesn't super matter, but like, yeah, it's a it's very very meta what's going on, and and rape is used so much and so dispassionately that it's definitely to a point for yeah, because the whole what the focus becomes like you're reading it, it's this really happy girl, but there's this just really something wrong with what's going on here. 
Yeah. And it kind of builds and builds, and then she's yeah, like, she's just so detached, she's so fucking freaky. And you know, so she's at the theater, and she's like waiting, you know, for her cue to come. This is the first time she's actually going to be on stage, so it's a huge deal for for Mercy, right? And and she sees that uh, somebody tells her that this really important lord from Westeros is at the show, and so she like, you know, she sticks her head out to check it out, and she sees that it's Harris Swift, right? Mm-hmm. And so she like wants to like sneak. What what happened? Like she sneaks in like to the box, and there's like two guards there, right? Yeah, and one of them is one of the is, is Raph the Sweetling, who she knows from A Clash of Kings, and, one and of who is on her list. Yeah, one of them is on her list. So like the two of them are just like talking about like oh all, all the like you know hookers they want to fuck or whatever. I don't know. And how whatever no, it is, uh, talk about. There's no lemon trees in Bravos. <sighs> don't don't get somebody's a troll. <laughs> we'll do our theory hour soon enough. And I think he says something that implies that he's written to, like, really young girls, right? I think so. I don't remember. Yeah. And then Arya pops out. And she's like, oh, hi. Oh, hi, I'm a young girl. Yeah, I'm a young girl, and I'm a maiden. And, yeah, she basically, like, you know, throws herself at this grown man. She's using She's her- 11, first, by the way. Yeah, Arya's 11, and she's using her feminine wiles, which mm-hmm. should be disturbing. Yes. Correct. And so basically she gets this guy to agree to come off and have a quickie with her. Remember when this was going to be after a five-year gap? <laughs> yeah, that might explain a lot. <laughs> but I don't think it was not effective. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, like George R. R. Martin is clearly very proud of this chapter, and he's obviously put a lot of work into it. We like, could the way do an entire podcast. We could do an entire, yeah. entire podcast on this chapter, and I, I, I don't think this chapter did not go through extensive revision after gap scrap. Like I don't think he was just like, well, whatever, it works. Like. Well, he kind of released it because they misappropriated some dialogue, yeah. <laughs> like, randomly at the beginning of the fourth season, which is exactly, I don't care what anyone says, that's the reason that he uh, released the late one, so people wouldn't oh, think they had anything absolutely. to do with this. And, yeah, so, uh, I know, he said he said it was for other reasons, but, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. But, but I no, have with, with, George R. Martin headcanons. Yeah, but with the Mercy chapter, like, obviously he didn't just leave exactly how it was. Like, he was aware he was writing 11-year-old, I think. Like, it yeah. definitely went through so? revisions. It's, pos- it's possible. Um, I think it, it didn't go through the amount of revisions he probably wants, because I'm not sure how much warning he got. That I can tell that. you the Elaine one didn't. There were, like, spelling mistakes. Yeah. So he probably, like, came home from the premiere and panicked. <laughs> It's probably like, I have to release this. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Yeah, so yeah. It might be in a different form. Anyway, whatever. We need to stop yeah. his head cannons. But yeah. It's probably very disrespectful. Arya convinces um, this guy to go off and have a quickie with her, and it's, mm-hmm. yes, supposed to disturb us. Also, I think Mercy might be slightly older. I don't remember. Whatever. Yeah. Like, the because fa- remember, she has Mercy's memories. Yeah. and Which are or freaky some of memories, anyway. too, because Mercy died in not a good way. Yeah. Some of them, anyway. Like, like um... She probably just, like, has, like, fla- like probably, like, a narrative just kind of, like, flashes of memory, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, she moments. takes it back, basically, to her rooms and says, like, oh, don't worry, we'll be back. We'll be back in time for my rape. Um, and uh-huh. what she does is she, like, slices, she, like, has a knife up her sleeve and she slices his femoral artery, right? And he starts bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, that's too bad. We should, like, take you to a doctor. And he's like, no, I, I can't, I can't walk. You'll have to carry me. And she's like... Will I? Or whatever? Or yeah, because she, she, she gets him to say the line that he said The to line that he Lamy said when he Greenhouse. killed Lamy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Way back in The Clash of Kings. That's why she has the beef with him. And it was, yeah. he's cruel about it. And so she's... Yeah. Toying. And then she kills him. And then the text says... Calls her Arya. The text calls her Arya. Oh, and she also, like, 
a long, thin blade came out of her sleeve to kill him. Like, that's how she slits his throat. And it's, like, a lot of people think that's needle. Yeah, maybe. Your mileage may vary. I don't, like, whatever. But the, I think the it would part- be hard to to hide needle. Up, I think so, too. The important part <laughs> is that it's Arya. Yeah. That, like, she's Arya. And she thinks, like, she thinks how she'll miss Mercy when she goes and tells the faceless men that she did this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's like a lot of really important parts and the whole thing about Mercy is supposed to be her psyche. It's supposed to be look at what's mm-hmm. going on. It's supposed to be her detachment. No, just, just like how well she's becoming somebody else at this point, but at the same time, and she her, can't let go. And her toying with him like that, mm-hmm. like Game of Thrones, the show used that dialogue last season with Polliver when just like in a random bar in a random bar when no, she, this is like years of character development for Arya. yeah like her psyche would not be in that place with polymer mm-hmm. she would be frantically stabbing him probably like she did with trant more yeah in that scenario i don't know i'm just spitballing what do i know <sighs> it's almost as if the order of things that happens is important so, like, I think the reason we spent all the time just saying that is, is we can't emphasize enough that Trant was not, was not, um, Wrath, the sweet lady. Yeah. Like, this is not what Mercy was about. No, not at all. It was. And, like, next season they're gonna have the whole thing with the memos, so the fuck knows what they're gonna do. Yeah, like, why are they, this is the third time we're gonna get some version of Mercy. <laughs> But like the whole the whole focus for Mercy was supposed to be on Arya's very detached, creepy demeanor. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, with Trant, it's like this out of control, gross ass social justice kill. Well, we have a flowchart. We have a flowchart. We will post a link to. I'm proud uh, of the flowchart. Basically, they managed to correctly adapt one of the people that she's killed. Correct, the stable boy from the first season. And Good everything job. else is like oddly swapped, like you know places and motivations and people are just kind of swapped around willy-nilly with each other. There's arrows everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, they seriously have no idea what the fuck they're doing. And forget our, try. Here's a challenge. Write down show Arya's development. Because in our opinion, it's all over the map. There's just like, mm-hmm. we don't even know who she is. We don't have a clear ass, like understanding of her personality. She seems to hate women. Yeah. She thinks they're dumb. Which Bokaria does not. No. So. Bokaria. Like, I don't, they don't seem to get the subtlety that, like, somebody could not want to be feminine themselves, but still, like, not have a problem with femininity. Yeah. You know? Like, like, trans men don't hate women. They just aren't women. You know? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, it's not some kind of hatred for femininity. It's just that that's not who she feels like. And she's not trans, I don't think, but she's, like, she doesn't feel particularly feminine, but, like, she she values feminine skills. Like, I, don't she's think, kinda... I don't think trans would even be, like, an option in the psyche of someone yeah. in Westeros, you know? Yeah, but, like, like, it, it, like it's not it's yeah. not that, like, you know, she, like, you know, she sucks at sewing and Sansa's good at it. It's not that she hates sewing. It's just that she sucks at it. She kind of probably wishes that she was good at it. And she's jealous of her sister. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, will, I will say, as someone who is a bit of a tomboy with a bit of a perfectionist girly sister... Uh, growing up, it's very normal to like want to kind of kill your sister growing up. And that doesn't, and shockingly, I didn't want to kill all women or think they were all dumb or anything. It's like you can, yeah. you can have a competition with your sister and not hate women. Yeah. And like, cause. And have to say that girls are dumb. Yeah, cause she's, she outright says girls are, most girls are stupid. And yeah, the only not- girls that aren't stupid are girls who fight with swords like Visenya and Dark Sister. 
Yeah, like, that's not Arya of the books. Like, it's yeah. really not. She's actually very... Yeah, like, like in Mercy, she's all of a sudden a very girly girl. It's kind of freaky, but... Because um. she's very good at adopting someone else. But. Yeah, and she, she's very, like, you know, Arya thinks very affectionately of Mercy. And thinks how she'll she'll miss being like that. Yeah. It's, you know... I don't know. Arya has such a cool character development in the books. Like, mm-hmm. re- I think what Martin does with her is, is some of the coolest stuff that he does with anyone. Because, um, like, identity obviously features in everyone's chapter, but it's yeah. bashed over the head with Arya. Yeah, I don't know. Read the books the better. <laughs> okay. I know, we were going to talk about budget allocation explicitly, right? But We, we can. A, well, yeah, let- we didn't find a very organic place for it. But let's talk about budget allocation, how weird it is in this particular plot. Like, cause he spent so much money on the weirdest things. Yeah, um, so the 600 masks, we, mm-hmm. we're fond of saying X is a microcosm for the show, but like, everything's a microcosm for the show, because everything, every piece of Game of Thrones is wholly Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, it's, it's very like the seven. <laughs> exactly. But the, the masks we think, like, they got so distracted spending mm-hmm. all this money creating 600 unique masks. So if, if you go and you look at that scene again, those are all unique faces. And there's all this money spent on them, and we couldn't see any of it. Yeah. Like, even if it was properly lit, like, you would be able maybe to see, like... Half? Ha- like, no, no, not even. Not even. Like, just, like, in the background, you would be able to see, like, I don't know, 50, 60 masks. They could have gotten away with 50 or 60, that they do. Yeah. So it's just, like, they get distracted with I think we're called white, shit. too. <laughs> I don't remember seeing any non-white faces. They're very white. But, like, yeah. it's also Game of Thrones, so... That's a little weird. Like, I, that just occurred to me. It's a little strange. Um, like, seriously, in the scheme of issues. <laughs> yeah. I like things like like the props in the main hall. They were all, like, different statues from different religions. And yeah. You can tell any of them. I like, think that they all, like, had custom made. And, like, the fucking facade of the house of black and white was built. Like, just... Our question is, why was all this time put into this kind of shit and not into, like... The writing? Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, like we get that this is a huge, complicated production with many, like, moving parts, and it's not, like, a one-to-one relationship between, like, time in the writer's room and time in the prop room or whatever, but just, like, and, like, in all the outside the episodes, this is all they were talking about. All they were talking about was the props. It's just, I, I, we get the feeling a lot of the creative energy is being poured into this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if we want to just look at resources, like, look at the other plot lines, they could have benefited from more money. Because, yeah, I, I, yeah, and that one ask that we're, that we're trying to reference obliquely that we got that basically say, warning us before we wrote the retrospective, warning us not to criticize the writing or else we would damage our credibility. The, the, the lighting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I'm so, oh, no, the lighting too. Um, yeah. yeah. But like, these are very legitimate criticisms to take because yeah. Benny often Weiss, the buck stops with them. They're the showrunners. They are making all these decisions. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter if we blame them. It's just, this was, somebody made this decision and it was a bad decision. The lighting especially, like my god. Yeah. No, I, it was it was distracting. It made many scenes impossible to watch. Yeah, like I don't know who could watch that back on playback and be like, yes, final cut, go. Yeah. We got it. Um so we're like this is pretty much all we had to talk about. Um Yeah. You know, I think we talked about the cattiness with the waif and trant, whatever. Um so we we're a little under time for us. Um <laughs> So we thought we might want to just, like, quickly look back at uh, just everything lessons learned from uh, season five. Yeah. Just and then we could celebrate 
Then we could celebrate being done with, with picking it apart. Okay. Um, sorry, I was just reading an ask, uh, which was, loved your look back on Arya's season five storyline. D&D's terrible Dorn plot could be written off as misguided, as just a misguided botch. However, the relatively more well-received Arya arc proved to me that D&D do not understand that, quote, the heart of the conflict is, uh, the heart in conflict Oh, the heart in conflict with itself is the guiding principle of the material they are adapting. Arya's Bravo's story hits the reader over the head with this theme. Kind of the canals, punishing a nice watch deserter, but instead we get vague and vengeance. Isn't that a perfect segue into what we were about to talk about for the entire show? <laughs> Thank you, Anon, that I just received. This is, like, perfect. Because, um, yeah, let's talk about all of... Let's talk about revenge. Yeah, because, like, if you want to, like, have a theme for the season, I, that would have to be it. That or boxes. Bo- very significant boxes. I'm sorry. Um, we, we keep making a reference to that. <laughs> um, I'm just, we'll just quickly tell you. There's a podcast I used to like to listen to, and I can't anymore because it's too show apologizing But I listened to their season five opener, and they were talking about, like, oh, I know you like thematics stuff, so I thought the theme of this episode was boxes, because there's, like, Cersei was in a box, and then Tyrion was in a box. I'm like, oh my god. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Revenge was, like, very baldly the theme of this season. I don't know. uh, Is that fair to say? Was there, like, a lot of revenge? Well, let's see. Alaria Sand kills Uh Marcella for revenge. Okay. I'm, I can't, Falari, I can't even with, I can't, I can't. Um, <laughs> Sansa marries Ramsay for revenge. Okay. Theon revenges Miranda. Is that what he was doing? Sure. Well, she, okay. like, was, you know, complicit in his torture. Okay. Uh, Bri- who cares? <laughs> Brienne revenges Stannis. Yes, that Ollie, definitely. Ollie revenges John. For his mom's potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Arya revenges Trant. Yes. Two randos maybe try to revenge Sam by damaging his goods. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what was going on there. Um, Carol revenges Marjorie, who was trying to revenge Carol, but that revenge failed. So no, it's just Carol revenging Marjorie by first okay. revenging Fabs, and then Oleta comes in and sees what happened, so she revenges Carol. And during this, okay. that figure nope. may or may not have been revenging both of them. I don't know. Chaos. Um, the strawman of the harpy revenged Danny. Okay. Deadpan. Sorry. And then, uh, Friedman 43 revenges the strawman. There's probably more revenge. I'm forgetting. Well, that's, that's 10 instances of revenge. So it has to be at least um, on average one episode, uh, one instance of revenge per episode. Um, uh, status when he offers John the, uh, winter, winter hell, uh, he, Uh he like plays it up as a revenge angle. Yes. So shoehorning revenge in there. I don't know. It's all revenge. It's revenge, revenge. Revenge! Um. Good, good job, guys. I know, I, I seem to think that I read something in a book I read once about the futility of revenge. Which book was that? It sounds like a good read. I, it was really long, and there was dragons. Huh. And this, this person who spoke about the futility of revenge, was she like, I don't know. A mom? <laughs> yeah, I remember her speaking about children. And maybe, like, she had these, like, stepdaughters that, like, kind of wanted to get revenge, and she was like, no, no, this is silly. That also rings a bell. Mm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> How could they have done that to Ilaria? I don't know. Really? 
I, I, there's this one great show apologist, Never Change, who is on the threads. Her brain works in interesting ways. And she was like, are you saying that moms can't want revenge? We're like, no, we're saying Alaria can't want revenge. <laughs> She's Alaria. <laughs> She's Alaria. She's like a complete cinnamon roll. <laughs> She's like, well, I think there are different types of women who want revenge. I'm like, okay. Go live in your world. Um, it was just like yeah. so, it was so badly done. Mm-hmm. Like, Martin's themes, like, Joey and I are big on the themes that he plays with a lot, and he certainly plays with revenge, because he, like, obviously he talked about the futility of the revenge, so it's a huge thing. Yeah, it, it's it's never, like, I don't think revenge is ever glorified. No, and it was never just this element tossed in, oh, no, they want revenge. And even if there is someone's motivation, it's never their simplistic motivation, it's usually much more about who they are on the inside that's motivating them. And the revenge is, like, secondary. So, I don't know. why It was just so badly done. It really was. I mean, just like, the idea that this is a deep theme to explore in the first place, I think, is... Well, they like they think anybody can be killed is a deep theme. Yeah. And that's like not... It's not even a theme. It's like maybe a motif at best, if that... Yeah, because like, like... Tone? Revenge is not virtuous. It's not... It's not especially like even angsty. Like, like a, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's just it's it's a very kind of low order theme. Yeah, versus like you know conception of self. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Um, uh, or like the kind of the, you know the intersection between political and personal. Well, and like I just I I wouldn't even care if this is the theme they're exploring if it was done well. But yeah, when you have Olena coming into King's Landing. And seeing the heir of Highgarden and the other only potential heir of Highgarden and the Queen of Westeros getting in prison. Like, the only two people in her family that matter mm-hmm. imprisoned. And her response to that is to get revenge on Carol rather than, like, work to free them. That's a fucking problem. Or Brienne, yeah. Brienne just dropping her oath to revenge Stannis. Revenge. Yeah. I, I say this before, but, um, there's this episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they're trying to have an intervention because they think Frank has a drinking problem. So they get really hammered. And <laughs> Frank walks into the room and they just start pointing going, intervention, intervention, intervention. Like, that's that's what I think D&D do with revenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what it feels like. Um, so, okay. Now that that theme is talked about, can we talk about the true theme of the season? Have we talked about that theme? Because, like... They don't even show any of, like, the consequences of looking for revenge. Maybe that will be next season. Yeah. Exploring the futility of revenge. I'm sure it will be really good. Mm. Ilaria will give another about face. And poor, uh, what, what's her name, the actor? Uh, it, it, Indira Varma. Indira Varma, yeah. It, it's going to, like, not know how to play it. <laughs> yeah, just be really confused. Like, am I faking this time? Last time you didn't tell me what I was making, and it was really confusing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, no, no, let's talk about the true theme of the season. Oh, you mean sexism? I do mean sexism. <laughs> um, I, I wrote in our notes, I just have dialed Tropy Slogfest of Ultimate Hell. <laughs> you mean Winterfell? <laughs> well, that was definitely Winterfell. But, like, in general, you know, I wrote nine essays on how deep the sexism goes in the show. Then Julie and I wrote the retrospectives and found even more, mm-hmm. like, 
it just gets worse and worse. Um, so we decided instead of like recapping, we, we could do three, three or four podcasts and not get through it. Yeah. Um, we would just do like recap instances of sexism. Like three, there are three mm-hmm. hi- highlights. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, yeah, they, they kind of explicate the sexism as a whole, I suppose. Yeah, so do you want to do the first one? We chose them carefully. No, I want to do the second one. You do the first one. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, fine. The first one uh, is, you know, the trope rapist drama. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Sansa's rape is just the perfect way to look at how their brains work. Because according to them, they adapted Theon's storyline, Ramsay's storyline. I don't know what they thought they were adapting. Um, they really loved the subplot in the books. Mm-hmm. So they adapted one part of it, which was that... Ramsey gets a wife that he rapes, which I'm like, how is that even a plot? That's not even really a plot point. That's not even what a plot point looks like. Like if you squint. Yeah. Well, it's something that happens. Yeah. But even that, like they didn't even adapt that right because they gave him a different woman to rape. And um, this might come as a shock to you, but women are not interchangeable rape dolls. Are you sure? I'm I'm not positive. I don't know. The show's made me think. Yeah. And it's just like, all logic was defied to mm-hmm. put this on our screen. All of it. Mary yeah. for revenge. Good. I don't like just because like it's been almost a year that we've been explaining how our objection isn't that rape was depicted. No, <laughs> like, that's God, not no. the sum total of our objection, and we're still having this conversation every few weeks. <laughs> it, it, people do not understand. We're not upset that there was a rape on our screens. Yeah, we're upset that it was the definition of gratuitous. It was only put on for their conception of drama. You know what would have been better drama? Jane Poole? And anything else. <laughs> no. Like, seriously, stick, if you want Sansa and Winterfell, you think that's cinematic and you don't care about Jane Poole, let's just start with those assumptions. Mm-hmm. Have her do literally anything else. And that would be have more interesting. Have her be Barbary Dustin for some reason. That would make more sense. She's already wearing black. Yeah, seriously. But, like, anything would have been more interesting. And you know what? The... The issue we had was that it was just thrown in for cheap drama. The result was not explored mm-hmm. at all. I'm sorry, but having Sansa change her personality and sit and tell Theon she wanted to torture him herself, that's not like following through on the implications of drama, of trauma. That's just writing something that you clearly don't know anything about. <laughs> kind of hard to argue with that. Like, yeah, like it's, I, and, and, you know, thank God, next season she's going to be a strong woman again. Yeah, is what. So that wasn't. Sure. I can't. I that can't. was it. That wasn't the only instance. There was. There was uh, Gilly's almost rape, and there was Tommen and Trant. Trant. Yeah, they just like. Well, get a new plot device. Yeah. Really. I'm almost afraid to say that because that was what the fuck they could come up with. But <laughs> well, we're gonna find out. Yeah. So soon. It's yeah. February. <laughs> okay, you do the second one. We're just going to get mad. Yeah, well, the second one is infantilization, which is basically the idea that women are somehow uh, less developed and they can't really make decisions for themselves or take care of themselves, right? And are the logical ones. Yeah, and the, the scene that kind of brought this really home to us in a very painful <laughs> way... was uh, The scene where uh, Larry and Doran are upstairs talking about Important political things. While the Sand Snakes are in, yeah. While the Sand Snakes are down in jail playing the Slapsies game. 
And the one woman they brought into the room during this political discussion, Falaria, is like acting. She has a temper like a tantrum. Teenager. Yes. She dumps wine on the floor, which yes, Obara dumps wine on the floor in the books. In a very the different context. context. Is a whole, a very different context. Yeah. And it's also, oh, whatever. Yeah. It's, and just this whole thing of like, like the way that Doran speaks to Ilaria as though he like a disappointed principal, you know? Like I expected better behavior from you. Just step into my office, you don't. Yeah. Up. Yeah. And just. Yeah. The whole theme of Dorn really was infantilizing. Let's make all the women act hysterically, <laughs> and all the men will rationally sort things out. Mm-hmm. Those merciful. crazy, those crazy crumbs, crazy crumbs, crazy crumbs. Okay. <laughs> but like everything, everything really like just like all of a sudden, women are just incapable of everything. Yeah, and like obviously, this was you know, Danny was another prime example mm-hmm. where she can't do a fuck thing right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the sand snakes were just ridiculous. They, like nobody could possibly take them seriously, and Alaria, Valaria was the exact same way. Uh, but meanwhile, like you know, Larry's learning how to be strong in the real way, or whatever it is he's doing. Yeah, I have no idea what was happening. Mm. He was learning to embrace. He was learning to not be kink shamed. Yeah, embrace his fatherhood, which is related in an odd way. <laughs> Yeah, it was very strange. Uh, but no, like, well, the reason I think Danny is a good example, too, of infantilization is because she's, like, the empowered woman, right? Yes. <laughs> kids are naming their, their, people are naming their kids Khaleesi. I just, uh, that, like, fun fact is a Poe, right? It's not real. <laughs> it's real, dear. Oh, my God. I know. Embrace it. Um, okay, so our final example to really drive home the sexism was the toxic masculinity trope. And please read my part on it. I'll link it. It's um, part eight. But I'm not saying you can't be masculine or that masculinity is inherently toxic. I'm saying it's like the compulsory mm-hmm. way of acting. And yeah, whatever. Read it. I, I promise. I'm not like a man hater. <laughs> um, but every single every single male character was scripted to somehow be toxically male, mm-hmm. unless he was like a designated victim, or gay, fun. Yay! Um, so, you know, my example, I think the best example of this is Sam, who is so the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. In the books, the whole point is that he, he really doesn't have any of these traditional masculine qualities, and that's a source of anxiety for him, because of the toxically patriarchal society that Westeros is. Yeah. And and he, he suffered his, a great deal because of it. Yeah. Yeah, like, he was physically abused growing up because of it. I mean, because of it and because Randall's the worst human ever, but mm-hmm. like, I don't want to like say Randall was justified because he's not at all. Like he was using this as a justification, but yeah. yeah. Um, no, but the, 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 the point is, uh, Sam's a feast for Kozak, uh, is very much about him learning to be strong in the real way. And that, you know, he's not, he still doesn't, you know, he, he'll say, whatever, like, I saw the Army of the Dead at the end of it, but he still, like, feels that he's scared. He still feels that he doesn't have the conventional traits that he needs yeah. to be strong. And that fucking matters, and it matters that we see him deal with it. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing, like, in Peace for Crows is that he's behaving in a way that is, you know, very strong, very kind of leadershipy, very... Because he has to. Yeah, because he has to, has to. but then, like, uh, somebody asks him, you know, are you a coward? And all of a sudden he says, no, I'm not. And it's like a huge moment. Yeah. It's like the moment of his arc that he's, he's able to say this. To say it, but yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, but yeah. but just like like the like the fact that he was able to do that, say no, I I've done all these things, you know, I I've been known to the wall, I've right. I've done this, and and like you know, and he's he's able to say no, I'm not a coward, and like even almost mean it is a huge deal. Almost, yeah, yeah. Re- like he's not again, he's not different very much on the inside, but it's huge that he was able to do yeah. that. And meanwhile, in the show, like. He's so happy he killed a Thin. He's so happy he killed a White Walker. He walks around bragging about his achievements. The way he acts, you wonder why he didn't fucking go to hard home. Yeah. Um, could have, you know, sewed that up real quick. So he'll, he'll go in and get his face beaten to save his woman from rape. Yeah. Um, cause he's an action hero. And then he'll volunteer his ass to go to become a maester, which doesn't make any more sense in this context. Not after seeing the Army of the Dead. Like, dude, we're kind of, we don't have time for you to go to college, but okay. <laughs> uh, but like to save his woman, that was how he presented it. It's just, I hate it. I hate yeah, everything they did with that. And the way that they like infantilized Gilly basically by framing the relationship this way. And they like, you know, he, he gets laid cause he like tried to save her. Yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah, so the theme of this season was actually sexism. Um, <laughs> Revenge read, and sexism. <laughs> Revenge and sexism, yeah. Read my essays. I, I won't belabor the point. And I, yeah. Uh, there's two more things we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. One was, uh, we call it the ch- the checklist effect. Trademark. And I've just trademarked it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have it. You can't have it. We're adding it to our updates to the. Yeah, I just like, they have like a list somewhere on the wall of the writer's room of like points we have to hit and. They don't seem to care how they get there. Checklist. Uh, Shireen gets burned. Okay, so we gotta do that. Let's burn her. George know, told us it would happen. George said she gets burned, so let's just burn her. <laughs> the end. The, yeah. These are really bad impressions, because Benioff is actually very soft and He's a little bit like, yeah, we were heartbroken when we heard this would happen. That's a better impression. <laughs> um, no. Uh, checklist. Carol goes for a walk, even though it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, checklist. Tommen and Marjorie get married. Danny gets on a dragon. Yeah. Uh, we can, we can play this game for a while. But the, the point is they see, they see plots as these like discrete moments in time. Mm-hmm. And as long as they take it off, then they, they adapted it. John gets stabbed. That is a book scene. Yes. That's how they think of Ollie stabbing him. They think it's very much a book scene. Carol hears a prophecy. Book scene. Yeah. We're 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 ripping on that one quote where he says season five is very much within the books because the first and last scene are book scenes, which first of all neither of them really are. Yeah, well the first scene the first scene is Carol hearing the prophecy and the last scene is John getting stabbed. Yeah, and, like, Carol hearing the prophecy is closer, even though they, like, suspiciously omitted it. Mm-hmm. And John getting stabbed is hor- horribly different than yeah. what happens. I mean, like, but, he gets stabbed, but just, it cannot be more different, though. Even if the scenes were, like, the same, just because you have two show scenes as the bread in between, or book scenes as the bread in between, like, a turd sandwich doesn't, like, make the turd magically the books. Like, yeah. What? So, whatever. Um... But yeah, so that was a, a another realization we really came to is that they just they don't understand what adaptation what is. Narrative is yeah, no, they, like they actually don't understand what a story is. And these are two men with masters in creative writing. Do they both have masters in creative writing? Yeah, yeah. Masters of fine arts. Yeah. From Trinity, they're not like or uh, Weiss was, I think. Like they're not slackers. Yeah. Um, but they literally don't 
know what a story is. Or if they do know, they're hiding it really well. They think it's Spark Notes. Maybe this is explaining a lot. Uh, have they written Spark Notes for a song of Ice and Fire? That might explain a hell of a lot. <laughs> but, like, even Spark Notes have a section on, on themes. themes. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, like, write your essay for your high school English course. <laughs> Eighth grade, apparently. Yeah. Once you're in high school, you don't even need to worry about themes, right? <laughs> Just your eighth grade book reports. <laughs> okay, and then the final thing we want to talk about is, like, even in and of itself, this was not a good show. Like, no, I really don't think so. Like, it's an illogical show. We, we, you know, that's the whole point of the retrospectives. We really highlight the illogic. But, um, the pacing, the rhythm was really a very strange thing. So we kind of just, like, uh, a little look back on what our experience was. Yeah. So, um, many of you might not know this or have forgotten it, but the first four episodes were leaked. Yeah, the screeners that they give uh, yeah, for they advanced were reviews. All leaked a few days before the first episode was to premiere. And we did not watch it. No, I, I, I didn't get banned for the Western Network forums momentarily because I mentioned watching them. <laughs> uh, like, whatever. Yeah. Honestly, if I don't think we're going to get arrested. Um, yeah. We, Joy and I did watch them, yes. Uh, yeah. I was in no rush to do it. I watched the first one before the first one aired, and then I was like, that was so bad, I'm not going to watch more for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I think Julia got ahead for, of me, and she was like, I watched Kylie, the third episode, and I was just like, yeah. Kylie, you need to watch the third episode. <laughs> Which, of course, ends with good guy Tyrion turning down sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> dear. Um <sighs> No, and these were the four episodes that got all of those disgustingly rave reviews. Like, those really suspiciously good. similar rave reviews. Yeah, it, it, they all followed the same pattern. Mm-hmm. They all called it bold, bold new steps, praised it for getting away from those boring books. Um, yeah. And then, an option to say that the Sand Snakes were bad. Yes. That was, like, if you wanted to seem balanced. But, like, the just raves. And if you go... Ra- the ra- uh, praising the show and shitting on George R. R. Martin. And if you go back and you watch these four episodes, they're kind of boring, yeah. to be honest. And the setups, this is when they set up everything that doesn't make sense. So it's like Sansa agreeing to marry for revenge happens in these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, like everything illogical occurs in these episodes. Um, or and a setup anyway. Get, especially the fourth episode, the Dave Hill episode. I can't get over this. <laughs> yeah, that's the one with the sand snakes. It's the one with uh, some harpy stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it's the, it's the one with the harpies killing fest at the end of it. It's the one with the faith smash. Yes. And that's, and that's what I think this episode should be known for. And it's just so bad. It's laughably bad. And I don't know how anyone could watch this and then write a glowing review. Yeah. It, it concerns me. It really like, does. The human experience. Um, no, it, it's so, really hard not to get conspiracy minded with this show sometimes. So, like, we actually going into this season and for that first month, we felt, oh, like, very isolated for our opinions. Um, <laughs> but thank God the ranters and ravers opened up. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, we, we felt very, very, Isolated because the, all no, the, the those, those like, reviews made us fa- feel like we were insane or something. Yeah, we were like seriously questioning life. <laughs> How is it? And that's I think that's why we were so overzealous, perhaps, with our blogging. Mm-hmm. Is that we really needed that 
validation. Um, because it was really bad. It was really it was, bad. and it just kept getting worse. Well, yeah, like that's the other thing too. If you watch those four episodes, they get increasingly worse. Mm-hmm. And the to where you're watching the fourth episode, and you're like not even sure if you're watching because the first episode kind of felt like it's not. It's it's fan fiction. I'm watching fan fiction. You come to that realization. But by the fourth episode, you're wondering if you're watching some kind of, like, performance art, because that's how bad it was. <laughs> no, like, the fan stuff was definitely at that level. Obara monologuing. Yeah, just like, yeah, it was like watching, like, like this is, like, an extremely accomplished, experienced actor. And you're just yeah. like, how is this happening? Kesha Castle-Hoots is very talented. Yeah. and Go watch Whale Rider. You just you're confused as to how this happened, and you think you're in some kind of weird alternate universe. Yeah, and it, like it was a very disorienting thing. Um, the fifth episode then was uh, the warm milk episode, yeah, that's the what we call it. episode. Yeah, because yeah. that's the episode where it was only three locations, and it was just like really boring, and it, most of it was winter hell, and it was just like Ramsey. But that had that dinner scene, family which, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oddly fond of that dinner scene because Fat Walda's there and I love her. Because you like Fat Walda. Like, don't I, lie. Yeah. She's nice. I like her. So, like, yeah. I didn't have overtly terrible things to say about the fifth episode, but it was bad. Then the sixth episode was in Bad and Broken, right? Yeah. And, and that oddly gave us hope. I mean, I... No, like, you were, you were like a wreck for the whole week, I remember. I was not in a good place for that week, but yeah. it did seem like the one glimmer of hope was that like there was a dialect being started yeah and, and, and there were there were several like prominent websites that basically said they weren't going to promote the show anymore and there was a drop there was a drop in viewership for the gift and i was so happy it was memorial day weekend i think um yeah that's what all the show apologists were saying and we were kind of making fun of them for it but assholes were right so they're fucking right um, yeah, because yeah, the the gift the gift was like not as overtly offensive, but it also had the Gilly almost rape scene, mm-hmm. and then it had Tyrion walking out going, "I'm the gift." So like, <laughs> uh, but then Hard Home came. Hard Home came, and they got back all their viewers and then some. The keys jingled, and like I I don't even know how to but like I really episode- don't like it's not that it was bad, but it wasn't that good, like. It wasn't very relevant. No, and like, like, you know, I, I guess from like a technical point of view, it was, it was well done, I suppose. I don't really it have- It was the partic- best episode of the season, I will happily yeah, say that. I don't really have an eye for things like that, like, unless your special effects are glaringly awful, I will not notice them, basically. Especially uh, if the camera is shaking. Yeah, but, um, like- <laughs> Yeah, we're supposed it, to notice that. Was it really that good? I didn't find it. I found it a little boring, to be honest. Yeah, because well, we're so used to watching things like that now, you know? Just, like, like extremely long action sequences. We're used to it now. When I was watching it at the time, as I was watching it live, I was, like, again, it looked okay. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the effort. When I went back to rewatch it, I was actually actively bored and um a little nauseous. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, I wasn't sucked into it. My belief was never suspended. There are cool moments. Like, I liked when the, you know, White Walkers showed up on the hill. Like, that was yeah. a cool-looking moment. I liked moment, that, but that when that one White Walker came into the building and... And everything got Like, quiet. the music kind of got quiet and the flames kind of died and everything. That was really cool. It was oh, a really but nice on rewatch, I'm, I'm telling you, on rewatch, it looks weird. <laughs> it, it looks like he's coming in to borrow sugar. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I... I, I don't know. The, the, the White Walkers look a little too much like the Wraith from, um, from Stargate Atlantis. 
for me to take seriously. Yeah. I just like couldn't really get into it. I really couldn't. Um, I don't. I don't know if that's because I'm not a type for random. Sp- like, you know, I don't really like World War Z type movies that much. So like, maybe this just that's not for me. But and people are like, well, maybe this isn't the show for you. It's like, well, what? I, what since when is this the show I signed up for? Yeah, I signed up for an adaptation of A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, and it's also um built on its is it's always being praised for its you know brilliant politics, right? Yeah. So. And just remember Blackwater. And how yeah, successful that was? That was a really good battle. Yeah, and that, really the, the well entire done. episode was a medal. From start yeah. to finish. That's all that episode was. And you were riveted because it was character-based. Right, like, this was so simplistically the bad dudes versus the good dudes. Mm-hmm. And everyone was so shrouded in plot armor, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that the only question was like, oh, are they going to kill off Dolores Ed? Like, <laughs> Oh no, not Ed! <laughs> Not Ed, who has been on the screen for all of two seconds. <laughs> Whatever will we do? Oh, no, and they you... killed the person we just met in a sexist but... way. <laughs> yeah. Well, the sexism only really became apparent after well, we read I the like... interviews, but... Honestly, I liked Hard Home the most because of Septus Bunella. It had nothing to do with Hard Home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what my favorite episode is. I think I liked... Um... I ironically like four the best because it's so funny. I think I like the seventh. I I I like like the stuff with the soup. Like I don't like it like it, but like it crosses the line. Like it goes all the way to the circle, and it just like I'm so I'm so oddly fascinated by that scene now because it's just like nothing about it makes sense. Everything is so stupid. And, like the way he just starts randomly toasting the king. <laughs> I think it, it's like it's like somebody put like decided to just like random bits out of the princess in the tower and the watcher. And like put them in a blender and then rearrange them, <laughs> but like in a way that made no sense. And then like Tristan was there and he's a complete douche, <laughs> and he somehow thinks that a bruise looks like a flea bite. Like, has he never been bitten by a flea? Is he that privileged? Is this supposed to be a theme? And like, <laughs> and then Doran starts offering them soup, and then Bronn somehow gets away with striking this a prince on the such face. Such a strange direction, Joya. <laughs> no, just like. Yeah, I think that's my favorite episode because that whole sequence is just so oddly fascinating to me now. Well, and you also get Tyrion beating up slavers. Yeah. And everyone likes them. <laughs> what? Um, if, if you sat me into a chair and said, you have to watch an episode, mm-hmm. I would probably pick the Dave Hill episode because I find it the funniest. Okay. Well, then you because- have to sit through the Obara monologue, though, which I've, I've been able to sit through, sit through maybe <laughs> twice. And the other times I've had to fast forward through it. <laughs> Yeah, and the wacky Darnish fight scene with Jamie. <sighs> stopping the thing. If, yeah. if there was an... And, you know, oddly, as much as I hated everything that happened at the end of Unbound and Broken, Broken, um, if there was an episode I would want to watch least, it would be the last one, because mm-hmm. it was just so bad. <laughs> like, nothing... Like, because it had the walk, which I liked the first time I saw it. You cannot rewatch the walk. Mm-hmm. It has no rewatchability. Because <laughs> just... You, well, first, like, when you notice, like, the, the not optimal, uh, special effects. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like that thing when you, when you first see it, you can never unsee it, like, mm-hmm. the chef in the middle of the map of America with the states, or, um, or how Kim Possible's upper lip looks like a mustache. Once you see it, you can't go back to unseeing it. Mm-hmm. And once you see the bobblehead, you can't unsee it. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, and, and just like, um, like, it's effective when, like, if you can project the book onto it. Once, like, you know, like we did, we completely dissected the entire plot line. 
And once you really, it really wrap your head around how unmotivated that entire scene was. Like, mm-hmm. it loses all true watchability, yes. And you're just like, they're just like, you know, shitting on a woman for no reason, basically. The 10th episode was really bad. Mm-hmm. It was, the writing was bad. Everything that happened made no sense. And like, just who cared? And it won for best writing. Mm-hmm. Bad Pussy won. Bad yeah. Pussy won for best It won for writing, death, which... best direction too, right? Mm-hmm. Which, like, okay. You know, the, the, the Emmys are some kind of weird aberration, because they haven't won any other awards. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing about the <laughs> Emmys is you only only six episodes were submitted, and they were the back six. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first four episodes where all the illogical setup happened wasn't actually in there. So if, if you're an Emmy voter and you just watch these episodes, which, by the way, there's also no, like, checks done to make sure you actually fucking seen these episodes. Yeah. But if you happen to just watch these episodes, you could just be like, well, I assume this makes sense. Yeah, I, I assume that they justified this. Like, I assume they justified Sansa marrying Ramsay in the first five there, there was vote splitting with Mad Men and something else, and I forget what it was. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think for a lot of these, it's like, I don't know, just give it to Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. But just, like, like, uh, like, apparently there's this, like, phenomenon where, like, you're kind of rewarded for previous seasons, right? Like, it's a kind yeah. of a cumulative thing. Well, Return of the King was not as good of a movie as Two Towers or Fellowship, but it won all the awards, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of that phenomenon. And, like... It is what it is. I can't explain why the show is as popular as it is. I can't explain why Hard Home shut down every single bit of criticism we had about the show. I can't explain any of it. I really no, can't. But, like, yeah, like, sometimes I feel like a crazy person on a street corner yelling about, like, you know, my precious bodily fluids. <laughs> and sometimes I question if I'm just, like, one of those people. Like, like you know, there's all these, like, subcultures on the internet of people who seem to be very sure of themselves or dead run. Like, you know, the anti-vaccination movement. They're very sure that they're right. And they're very wrong. And maybe we're those people. Who knows? No, we're not. We're not wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not wrong. <sighs> yeah. That's the one thing I will say about our critiques of Game of Thrones. We're not wrong. I don't see how we can be. I, mean, I don't think we're being unfair. I, well, I just don't. Here's a, here's a like. I wanted to like this show a lot. Yeah, there's that. I loved this show. I was unsullied. This is how I got into the books. I really liked the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm there's not a day goes by where I don't miss being engaged in the way yeah. that I was. I like I like the engagement that I have now with it because I like, you know, other stuff about that. But, like, mm-hmm. of course we wanted to like it. And then, I don't know. The other thing is, this might shock you. The first retrospective written was Porn by Julia. And, Julia, do you want to, like, talk about your motivations for why you did it? Well, during the season, as the season was going on, I was writing just little pieces about... Dorn about Port and how like I, I just felt really really protective of Dorn and I wanted to explain why this was wrong in detail <laughs> and so I wrote first I wrote a piece about like the water gardens and like Ilaria's conversation with Dorn and why that was just completely wrong and then I wrote uh, a piece about the sense no first I wrote a piece about uh, fighting and fucking right yeah yeah or did I was there a piece in between there I don't know. there is. Yeah, I don't, I really, I'm sorry. The order of your genius is, is uh, not. <laughs> well, I wrote, cause, cause Braun made this like offhand comment about all the Dornish care about is fighting and fucking. And I was like, uh, no. So I wrote like 7,000 words about like the history of Dorn and how, like, you know, how their, their proto-nationalism kind of motivates them to be violent in a very particular context. And then I wrote another few thousand words gotta, about you like. Gotta re- yeah, you gotta reblog. That was like, oh, I love this nerd rage. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and, 
then I, I wrote about like the view of sexuality and how like yeah. you know, there's a difference between being accepting of different kind of sexual choices and being and just completely hypersexual and fucking everything in sight. And yeah. I, I wrote another piece about the sand snakes and I kind of compared and contrast uh, the sand snakes <laughs> in the show and in the books and I was not favorable to their adaptation choices there. And then I wrote another piece about uh, Orientalism, basically. I, um, I kind of, yeah, I criticized basically all the choices that they made. From How they did not the read Edward Said. Yeah, yeah, from the perspective um, of Orientalism. I really, really recommend that. But but the thing is, when it came time to writing the retrospective, she was really trying to, at first, just be like, what what were they going for? Yeah, because like... Here's all the ways they aired, so seriously, mm-hmm. what were they going for? Because obviously they thought they had done something rather special in Dorne because they were marketing the shit out of it. Oh my god. And they really That's expected Sand Snakes to be, like, you know, breakout characters. And... <laughs> Sell the action figures to the kitties. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, you know, this really wasn't just us taking shits to have fun with it. It was, it was seriously to try and look into the writing process question a little bit. Yeah. Cause if you read, like, the, the retrospective that I wrote on Doran, it's very different in tone from where we ended up, like, you know, by Arya. Uh, <laughs> by Arya, we were like, oh, then she's derping around. Like, yeah. yeah and- we, we had fun with it. When we co-write things, our tone gets a little. Uh, snarky, mm-hmm. but yeah. If you read, if you do read her, especially her recap, is just her yeah. telling straight what happens, which almost I think actually works better for that <laughs> because you just have to say things like, "Meanwhile, in the cells, Nymeria <laughs> and Tyeen are slapping each other." <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, and then I, I think you wanted to do the same thing for Winter Hell. You're just like, I'm gonna do what you did for porn, but like for Winter Hell. Well, I've been, okay, well, it's a, to steer away from that a little bit, because um, I've been wanting to do a Winter Hell, like, recap for a while, because mm-hmm. when I first set out to write the sexism piece, like, I just realized that, that Winter Hell was the most sexist part of all of it. It was yeah. like everything was in Winter Hell. So I, I've been wanting to, like, summarize all of Winter Hell for a while, so then when she did the retrospective, I was like, this is a really good framework, I'm gonna do the same thing, except I can't bring myself to be serious in my recapping, so I'm going to be really sarcastic in my recapping, mm-hmm. and then really um, serious in my uh, analysis. And then we did Carol's Landing together, and we were just like, let's just not be serious ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> Carol's Landing is special. <laughs> well, this is also how we work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the snowball, but like, we really weren't just doing this for to be mm-hmm. super negative, you know, awful book readers. We were, we really were trying to like get at it. And I think I was, I didn't think I could be surprised by how bad it was. I was Mm -hmm. so surprised by how bad every plot line was. Yeah. Like, like, I I think we expected, cause especially with Aria, like that was kind of like our last reserve, right? Like we were going to call it oysters, clams and good enough at one point. We were considering skipping it at one point Mm -hmm. because we thought it was like bookish. Yeah. And then, and then we watched it. <sighs> That's kind of what happened the whole way through. It's just, yeah. This was not a good season. It was not a good season of television. It was not a good adaptation. It was just not good. And I don't understand why anyone liked it. Like, the one redeeming, like, it can't be redeemed on Mesa singing alone. Yes. But that can only carry so much, Kylie. 
Like, it's literally to the point, and I hate to say this, I truly don't understand what anyone likes about it. Mm-hmm. I don't. And it's... Um, it's sometimes quite pretty. I think, you know, obviously the longer you think about it, the worse it gets. Because I was mm-hmm. trying to bring up some of these uh, criticisms to my brother-in-law, and he was like, I don't want to be thinking about it. What's well, my sister-in-law's brother. Is that also my brother-in-law? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was your brother. <laughs> my brother's brother-in-law. Whatever oh, he your is. brother's brother-in-law. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because your, your brother yeah. is also in Sully, isn't he? Yeah, so I was talking yeah. to them about it, and um, my brother's brother-in-law was like, I don't want to be doing deep thinking when I'm watching Game of Thrones. I just want to see the dragons. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, well. There's not much you can it. say to that. <laughs> but my brother's not like that. He's a very analytical person. <laughs> so... I don't know. How do you feel about the sixth season right now, Kylie? Oh, very hopeful. Yeah, it's going to be really good. We're going to get Jamie in the Riverlands working on his yeah. uh, struggle with identity and internal and external. No, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be shit. It's going to be shit. Do you think it's even redeemable at this point? No. Yeah. It's I hard. Mean, like, I want it to be. Like, I do. Like, I, I want something good to come out of this. Here's why I don't think it's redeemable. Okay. It's because of the attitude of the showrunners. So they have said, they just did a podcast where they were talking about when they get criticism and they're like, come on, that happened a year ago. Let's stop talking about it. That's their response to criticism. That is literally their response to criticism. They just won't hear it. So I don't see how it can get better because they don't recognize that there's a problem. And they're not yeah. going to recognize that there's a problem. Well, People why would they? Emmys <laughs> yeah. at their heads. Here, take <laughs> all the Emmys. All of them. You deserve but not all any of, of the SAG Awards or Golden Globes or Critics' Choice or Writers Guild because apparently some people are saying, but all the Emmys you can take them. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> all all our Emmys are belong to you. Um, could it, I mean like you know again we don't like to say anything's impossible because mm-hmm. we're very logical. Is it possible that they like really do take this in and and learn from it and try to? Well, apparently know, there's go? at least one rape they're not going to have because of criticism. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they are just kind of going like, okay, well, we're just not going to do rape anymore. But mm-hmm. they don't understand that like the sexism is not just the rape. <laughs> like the sexism is thorough mm-hmm. in this show. Like so thorough. Yeah, it, it's like a foundational assumption. Like foundational assumptions are sem- are sexist assumptions. Yeah. So I don't. I really don't see how with these two men in charge, it, it's going to get better. I really don't. Mm-hmm. And the few spoilers we've seen, like, we'll. we'll I don't know, sum it up at some point, but... And Eight Seasons is definitely a thing, right? Eight Seasons seems like it's definitely a thing. And, oh, by the way, book Fifth Season was supposed to have been within the books, for the most part. Even they admit the Sixth Season is diverging a bit. So... And we're going to spend the next God knows how long arguing with people on the internet about what is and isn't a spoiler. Yeah, and, like, I tried to write a piece just being like, stop... Try and make fetch happen. The show has nothing to do mm-hmm. with the books, but um, you know, I'm still getting sucked into these arguments about, but like the same plot points will happen, like, <sighs> but they yeah. won't, or, or 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 just like arguments, just like, oh, Stannis can't do this because we know he's going to die, right, in the battle or something, right. Like and that. our whole thing is like, or, oh, Aegon and Arian can't be important because they're not in the show, yeah, and, and, and things like that, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like this, that's the worst part of this is the fandom mm-hmm. dialogue. It really is. And how the show is just like, you can't escape it. You can't, because this is, it poisons every well. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, you tried to go on the westeros.org forum and have a discussion about the books, 
And even though they're supposed to have a very strict policy of like, you know, no book content, no show content in the book thing, people always bring up the shows. It's so hard always, to enforce. Yeah. You can tell, like, yeah, and, and, and like, even when they're not explicitly mentioning the show, like, sometimes you can just tell this opinion was Oh, yeah, yeah, there'll be all the these stories about Marjorie, the sexual manipulator, mm-hmm. and you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's very manipulation-y with her fish buying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. season six is going to be a hard season. I was really, ho- I really, really did think WoW would be out before that. I think a twelve. I think a lot of us thought that. I think Martin thought that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think our work is going to be cut out for us to be like, well, you don't know this won't happen. No, I don't. <laughs> What's your point? You know, the biggest thing that happened in Game of Thrones season five was Hardhome, right? Like that was the big mm-hmm. thing. Yes. And it was, it was total fabrication. Yes, that did not happen at all, and there's no way it could. Yeah, so my question is, how are we... Why should we take anything that happens on our screens and assume that that's going to happen? Why Why should we give Because they keep insisting that they're telling the same story. Yeah. <laughs> that's why people are... That's why people are making that assumption, because they keep insisting on it. I'm just going to assume nothing's the same. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, like, even the things that do happen, they happen in completely different contexts for completely different reasons, so... Like, if, like, you know, we get a slide, for, say, for example, we get the spoiler that, uh, I don't know, you're on Mary Cersei. Right. Right. Let's say that happens on the show. What does that mean for the book? Nothing. Like, even if we know that that will happen. All that might happen in the books would be Euron will marry. (laughs) Right. Yeah. For example. Like, maybe he'll marry Marjorie, but it's the same thing because they're both queens. Who knows? Like, you know, like. Well, like, I'm sorry, but if they could be like, oh, Ramsey, wait. Rapes a person. That's like that's mm-hmm. not a that's not even a plot point. <laughs> what? John gets stabbed for potatoes. Yes. Yeah. But Kylie, uh, I have good news. What's the good news? We're done with season. We five are so Thrones. done with season five. And for the next two months, Julie and I are not disappearing. But I think we are going. We're definitely not going to disappear because we have something else to talk about. Yeah, we have something we kind of like to talk about. In fact. Mm-hmm. Something that fills us with positive emotions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, for the next couple of months, the unabashed book snobberies that come out are almost mm-hmm. assuredly going to be uh, all a song of ice and fire themed, or they're going to be like um, in box hours kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But most yeah. mostly book stuff. Uh, we really like it, and I we're looking forward to two months of just. Yeah, and even after that, I think we might uh, we might oh definitely compartment- compartmentalize. Game of Thrones somewhere else. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna need this feed mm-hmm. maybe to be uh well we're the happy feed. We're on a bash book snobs, yeah. We might need this as an escape yes. <laughs> escapist. <Yeah. laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how bad it gets. You know, it's it, we've been we've been at this for ten months. I think a celebration is in order. Yeah, so So Joey and I have had shots sitting next to us this whole time. Yes, I have a shot of Havana Club rum. I'm very much looking forward to drinking it. What do you have, Kylie? I have it's a bottle of I think the brand is eighteen hundred silver tequila. And Ooh. I poured it into I got so some of you might know this already. I poured it into <laughs> a shot glass. My dad got me Game of Thrones shot glasses because he doesn't understand that I write about it so much because I hate it. Um <laughs> So you got me these Game of Thrones shot glasses, but it's the damnedest thing. I think HBO is trying to save money because lightly imprinted on two of them are is like obviously something from another shot glass that says "I survived Jamaica." <laughs> so you could like just make it out. So I'm drinking out of the this is the Lannister sigil. Mm-hmm. Hear me more. Well, my shot glass is like a touristy shot glass with London things on it. Well, I survived Jamaica, so yeah. St. Paul's Cathedral, Big Ben. A beef eater. Very exciting. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. All right. So 
Seven blessings upon you, Kylie. <laughs> Unto you. Great. Mm. Well, that burns. Oh. On that note. That is quality age rum from Cuba. <laughs> on that note, thank you for listening to Unabashed Books and Opry. If you have any episode suggestions, send us an email to unabashedbooksnobbery at gmail.com. Yep. I think the next one we're going to record will probably be the theory hour. Yeah, theories. Um, Unless we get excited about something else. Yeah, send us theories that you cannot live without us discussing. Um, Yes, after we just said this was going to be a positive feed, just wait for theory hour. (laughs) Well, if you like us salty and sarcastic, you will love this because we love theories and we love speculations. Especially especially theories that combine that. Yeah. There's some really good ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're we're gonna obviously be tackling the big ones, um, mm-hmm. like R plus L equals J, and um, yeah, I think there's I think there are exactly two theories that I consider myself as subscribing to, and one of them isn't even a theory. It's it's R plus L equals J. So yeah. <laughs> what's the other one? Blackfire. And I don't subscribe to that one, so we'll have a good conversation about it. Yeah, well, I think you're like sixty percent on it. I'm like eighty percent on it. That's what we decided, right? You keep, like, knocking me up a few percentages, and I think I keep, like, knocking you down a few percentages. So Yeah. Um, well, as far as theories that aren't R plus L equals J goes, that's definitely the most plausible one. Yeah, but, like, we'll also be talking about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, high, high Septon is calorie. <laughs> yeah, the virus is two kids standing on each other's shoulders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I love... This is why I've been involved with the Song of Ice and Phantom for as long as I have, because... It's so earnest in some ways, but just so, like, Poe's mm-hmm. Law and others. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, we're, we're also, <laughs> we're at that point, too, like, the Westeros.org forums, it's really hard to participate in them. Because they're we, cyclical. They're cyclical in And we've both been on it for, like, several years now. So, um, last night, there was this one thread that came up that was like, which character do you relate to most? And I'm like, I can't answer this again. So I went in there, and I was just like... Except a great hit, small wood, because I like acorns. Like, this is where our headspace is at. So. Yeah. There's only so many, so many times you can see the same thread over and over again. And not yeah. get all sarcastic. So the, the point is, like, for, for unabashed book songs, we're probably going to be doing, like, more, we, we really liked doing the, uh, Cersei Lannister show. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. So we'll be doing more overarching kind of stuff. So if you have any episode suggestions of that nature, send them our way. Um, yeah, we can do an entire episode just on the Princess of the Tower. Yeah, oh my god, we should. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I want to do that now. <laughs> anyway. We can do dramatic readings. We really could. <laughs> Damn it, Julia. <laughs> this is strangely appealing. Yeah. But then we get to argue about who's Doran and who's Arian. Mm, I'm Doran. Okay. No, I don't know. Oh, this is hard. Yeah, we'll have to, like... Have some kind of competition to figure it out. I'm saying I'm Doran because I'm being harder on myself. Okay. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm Sansa. What do you want from me? Uh, but yeah, we're we're like way over time, so I'm yeah. gonna have fun editing this. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. ahead of things. That's such a, like, INTP INTP thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Never gonna let this go.
I should take the test again and get another result and fuck you up. Well, like I said, like there's there's a 30% chance that you get another result within the first three times you take it, because that's how inaccurate it is. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the test, too, right? Like, this is like a free test with, like, what, 30 questions? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean... Like, I hated it until I started reading INFJ profiles, and I realized that that's what, like, I do meet a lot of that criteria. Mm -hmm. But it's not, like, everything, you know? There's people who buy, like, INFJ clothing. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> so. I don't All think right, that's an INTP thing to do, so I'm not gonna do that. Okay. That's really not an INTP thing to do. All right. You guys are, like, livid that this test even exists. 